show on America right now is Sean Hannity. This is a party now that has gone radical, extreme, democratic, socialist. I mean, look at cultural issues. Look at, you know, possible contender for 2020, Andrew Cuomo, celebrating that you can now in New York get an abortion even up to the ninth month, in the ninth month, just before birth, a fully formed, viable child at that point. That would be infanticide. Sean Hannity, 2 to 5 p.m. on News Talk at 101. Okay, well, welcome to Veronica Live. I'm glad the engineer's in the building because we already have a tech issue. So we're going to kick off the show here. Uh, we've got our first guest. We're, it is Veronica Live this morning, even though, you know, I can't control everything, John. Welcome. I've got John Salick as my co-host this morning. And our first guest is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Sir, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Veronica. How are you doing? Good morning. Well, we're kicking off with tech issues, but, you know, I try to control everything. Sometimes you can't control it all. Um, I am so excited there's to have you. Gonna be, there's always going to be a Murphy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, it's a, it's an honor to have you back on the show, sir. You're one of our regulars. And I think the most exciting thing about having you back on is that you know you are running to be the next governor of texas a new poll just came out and you are leading the pack you are almost at 39 percent and greg abbott's at 32 percent so how does that feel to be the leader well the thing is that it's 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 encouraging for the folks uh they're looking to support us to let us let them know that this is a very viable and strong campaign but for me personally, uh, the most important poll comes when there is all zeros on the scoreboard. So you just have to continue to work hard to that end. Okay. Wow. I know. And you've been, I, you know, looking at your Instagram and your Facebook page, you don't stop. And there is so much always going on in Texas. And I wanted to ask you, um, I know you posted a video from Roma, Texas. Again, the border's still out of control with Governor Abbott at the helm. How do we take back our border? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, that was last summer in Roma, Texas. And what happened is that I sat and watched 80 illegal immigrants be brought across the Rio Grande River by human smugglers in rafts. And our National Guard troops just uh, pretty much so watched it happen. They collected them up, turned them over to the Border Patrol, who put them on buses. And next thing you know, they released the non-governmental organizations that are putting them on airplanes and flying them all over uh, the United States of America. We know that happened during the Christmas holiday season when six aircraft took off from Texas, landed in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. It happened in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. It happened in Nashville, Tennessee. It happened in Westchester County, New York. So I think one of the things we need to do is make sure our National Guard here has the right mission, task, and purpose, uh, because the federal government has abdicated their constitutional duty to respect the sovereignty and protect the sovereignty of the state of Texas and America. These non-governmental organizations that have become the travel agencies for illegals, we need to revoke their licenses to operate here, and we need to designate the cartels as a terrorist organization. We're not fighting against a business organization. We're fighting against a terrorist organization. So those are some of the things that I would be doing. Um, I, I know that your guard, you have about 24,000 people. You also were posting about this in your Texas Air National Guard, and about 8,000 8, have not received the vax, and you're looking at potentially, with the you know this federal mandate, losing a substantial amount of members in your National Guard, uh, and I know that you don't support them 
um, being kicked out. So t- tell me about that. Yeah, I don't support them being kicked out. As a matter of fact, we just saw a, a federal judge say that there's an injunction on this Biden administration uh, mandate for federal employees. So there's no reason why we should be forcing our members of the uh, Texas National Guard to get any type of shot in the arm. If they want to, that's their 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 uh, discretion, but they should not be facing involuntary separation. And the governor of Texas is the commander-in-chief of the Texas military uh, department, and so all he has to do is make that decision himself, which he refuses to do. He refuses to call the uh, legislature back in for a special session, which is something that Governor Ron DeSantis did in Florida to pass into law that we would, they would not have any vaccine mandates. So these are some of the things that are very frustrating. And why would you, you know, in the first place, if you get rid of 8,000 members of the Texas military department, that's about 30 to 32 percent. So you're rendering your entire uh, force combat ineffective. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about this. And, and it's sad that we're asking the very people that protect our freedom to, to give up their freedom and their ability to make a decision, you know, about their own health circumstances. And, and you know, it's like, where, where, where's the government? You know, the government's not supposed to be doing this, this kind of stuff. Well, no, the, gover- the governor here and government period should understand that edicts, orders, mandates, and decrees – they can't rule over us by that way. We're, we're a constitutional republic. You're supposed to go through the legislature. Those are our designated representatives, and we live in a representative democracy, and they're the ones who are supposed to be passing laws. And so we've got to get this thing right balanced, but unfortunately we have a governor here in Texas that believes he's a repository of all power, and he has come to uh, feel that he has the enumerated right and power to decide who was essential, uh, what should be mandated, and now he's coming out with all of these political gimmicks about a taxpayer bill of rights or parental bill of rights. You know, we already have our inalienable rights, our natural rights, and it's not up for him to give and take. So, so tell us why, um, Alan, why, why are you the better candidate over Governor Abbott, who thinks he has it all sealed up and, you know, is going to continue to, to lead Texas when so many people, to include myself, are behind you and I think you will make Texas a better place. There's just been so many, the, the border's a mess, all those Democrat that ran off to Washington, Washington D.C. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then nothing happened to them. You know, why are you the better candidate over Governor Abbott? Well, I think that over the years, proven leadership through the military, the United States House of Representatives, where I was honored to uh, be a representative from the state of Florida in the 22nd District, and being the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, I have a good, strong constitutional conservative record, and uh, I don't back down. And I think right now uh, we are looking for people, you know, that have that resolve and have that courage. You know, too often Republicans bring a plastic spoon to a gunfight, and I think that has to end. Yes, and uh, I have a question for you because this this week President Biden was just an absolute nightmare and stepped in it and 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 kind of. He said it was kind of okay if Russia invades Ukraine. I wanted to know your thoughts about it. I, I, no, it was so embarrassing. Minor incursion. Yeah, minor incursion. Minor incursion. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, minor incursion. Well, just remember that when Barack Obama was there and it was Joe Biden as his vice president, uh, the Russians came in and took over Crimea. They came across mm-hmm. that border and took some parts of eastern Ukraine uh, originally. And so Vladimir Putin, as well as Xi Jinping and China and uh, Kim Jong-un and, uh, let's see, the Islamic terrorists in Iran, 
they're salivating right now because they see us going back to the feckless, weak policies, the lead-from-behind policies of Barack Obama, who really is running the show, him, Valerie Jarrett, and Susan Rice there in the White House. And I think Americans should be you know, a little bit concerned because we're being embarrassed on a, uh, on a national, uh, I mean, on foreign policy front. Look at the debacle of Afghanistan. That definitely has told people that, you know, America is not going to be strong. America is not going to stand up. And we have completely abandoned the strong foreign policy of Donald Trump and the mantra of Ronald Reagan, peace through strength. Right, right, exactly. So, um, Colonel West, when you're traveling around the state of Texas, what are the voters telling you that they want for their state? Because, you know, reading this uh, article on on how you're leading the way, you know, with um, 38 percent over 32 percent with Governor Abbott, I guess he's been courting a lot of, you know, the big, the big dollars, the Amazon the and, and things yeah, to come to his state, tech which yeah. and, and Texas is very close to maybe sometimes become going blue. You know, what, what are the voters yeah. telling you? Are they worried about this? Well, absolutely. I mean, the fact that we found out that Governor Abbott is planning to go out to California for a fundraiser next week, uh, that's a slap in the face to people here in Texas. Look, uh, this is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Month, and Texas is the number one state in America for human and sex trafficking. Uh, we're third in the nation for missing children. The fentanyl is coming across the border. Uh, Texans are concerned about the border. Texans are concerned about their property taxes. Texans are concerned about Texas being Texas. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of this week, there was an op-ed piece in Newsweek that said, Welcome to Florida, courtesy of Ron DeSantis, the new Texas. Yes, and, I saw uh, that. Te- yeah, Texans are not happy about that. <laughs> so they want to be that preeminent constitutional conservative state uh, because a lot of them out here are tired of hearing about Ron DeSantis, and we have a governor that's selling us out to... Silicon Valley and other corporate uh, leftist interests. So we're going to get this thing back on the right balance. Excellent. And then I saw that lovely Beto O'Rourke threw his hat (laughs) in the ring and already has $7 million in his his teeny tiny war chest. So I wanted to know, I, I, I really would love to see you debate him. I think you would crush him. Well, Robert Francis O'Rourke, as we call him out here, is not a concern. <laughs> uh, he was a shiny new toy back in 2018. That veneer is gone. And there is no way that anyone that stands up and supports open borders and uh, taking away our Second Amendment rights, there's no way he's going to be governor of Texas. Well, we love that. And then I saw, too, you just released the Allen West app. So I downloaded that. Yeah. That is beautiful. So we all love to have apps on our phone. So now I have my Allen West app and everything's there. And I know um, you're today you're continuing to travel the state. You have, a, I guess, a fundraiser this afternoon. So you are busy. What else, what else do you want yeah, to tell I'm, our... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you downloading the app. Please do, and you can follow <laughs> us in this uh, incredible, noble endeavor to be the next governor of Texas. I'm uh, about to head to the airport to fly out to Amarillo. From Amarillo, go to El Paso. From El Paso, I'll go down to the uh, Big Bend area, Alpine, which is such a beautiful spot, and then up to uh, middle and Odessa, Texas, and then I'll get back home here uh, in, in the Dallas area. And on Monday. So uh, I enjoy just being out and meeting people and talking with them and learning about what concerns them so that I can be a strong leader for them. Uh, we have two minutes before the break, Colonel West. I wanted to ask you about that terrorist um, situation that happened in Col- Coleyville. Sure. And I, I mean, I was really surprised that that happened in Texas against the Jewish community. So I wanted to 
hear your thoughts yeah. on that. Well, first of all, I think it's pretty insidious that the FBI, a special agent in charge here, would say that it had nothing to do with the Jewish synagogue. We have a very serious problem with uh, Islamic jihadism here, especially in northern uh, North Texas, uh, the Richardson area. Uh, I think uh, people should remember that the largest uh, Islamic terrorist funding uh, case was out here in Texas, the Holy Land Foundation case. But what is happening with the lady al-Qaeda that is here in the uh, prison over in Fort Worth, they actually had a rally, the Council for American Islamic Relations, back in September. And we should have cracked down on these individuals because CARE is related to the Muslim Brotherhood, which is related to Hamas, and we should not have allowed them to have this rally talking about uh, releasing this uh, vile terrorist out of prison. And so this thing has been boiling up, and the fact that we had someone that was on a terrorist list that got into this country, yeah. somehow got a weapon, and, and was able to do what he did. We got some things, we some gaps we need to fill. Well, uh, Colonel West, thank you for joining us this morning. It's um, West, West for um, Texas.com, and then we got the Alan West app. You're on Instagram, and, you know, you're, you're one of our favorites. So we are standing here. You're our favorite American patriot, and we want you to take the helm of Texas and clean it up. Clean it up and set an example. Thanks, and follow follow yeah. Florida now. <laughs> yes. All right. Appreciate it, Florida. West, West, the number four. West, okay. the number four, Texas.com. Okay. Have a great day, sir. We appreciate you. God bless. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, I, Colonel Allen West, we, we adore him. So we're going to be going on a hard break here, hopefully in a minute, if everything's working. We'll see, John. Yeah, we'll, we'll find see. Out. <laughs> but we have a big show this morning. We'll, we'll come back and talk about politics. And so far, it's working. We'll be right back. It's time to start your day with Patriot and Air Force veteran Veronica with a shot of conservatism. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Donna Veronica Live. And I'm here with John Salick as my co-host today. We just had Alan West on. That was a great interview. It was. And I'm, I'm so happy that, that, they, that he's leading in Texas, you know. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, can you imagine if Texas gets a... <laughs> their own version of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I know. I know. And he's, you know, it's like 38 to 32 percent. Governor Abbott must be shaking. You know, he's got to be in shock because a lot of times with the incumbent, that doesn't happen. Right. And he's got a huge war chest. One article I read said he had 65 million. The other article said he had 100 million. Um, wow. Well, wow. money doesn't always win win races, you know, as, yeah. as we well know. And, well, and, uh, and Alan's been traveling the state. You know, March is going to be the primary. There's de definitely in the little pie chart that he's leading, there's there's a lot of extra people that are still running. So if we can kick them off, yep. <laughs> it'll be great, I think. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. I hope I hope he takes it. Can you imagine? You know, because he was the chairman of the the, the Texas GOP, and the reason on his Instagram, you can go see this interview, people always ask him, because I was concerned. All of a sudden, he'd he like, I'm done doing this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why did he resign? And it was because he was constantly taking on Governor Abbott. But in that position, he couldn't change the, the you know, he needed to be in the legislature to change stuff change, for change Texas. The rules, right. So that's why he says he left being the GOP chairman of Texas, because he couldn't make the changes. And he got fed up.
Uh, believe me, I, I'm I'm I understand that really well, having having <laughs> been know. in the Florida GOP. Yes, you know uh, our statesman John Salak yeah. is my co-host today. <laughs> if you don't know, and he he's been our chairman in Bay County. You've been state committee man, so you understand this, right? You know, tw- twelve years of doing that, and it was, uh, it, you know, you try to make changes and stuff, and and it's sometimes like like beating your head into the wall. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> right. It makes it difficult. Uh, but oh my goodness, and then and then of course Beto O'Rourke. I mean, you know these rich people they can just jump in, and you know I, can I, I don't you imagine understand a the debate the, with with Weston O'Rourke what, and what Beto. Is, what is it with the Democrat? You know they they just don't seem to be able to muster anybody of of, of any, substance, right? Right. You know you think you think out of that whole party they'd be able to find more than a few of these leftists. That that are flat crazy, you know. I, I I don't know. When I see Beto, I I just think of AOC. He's like the girl, <laughs> the boy version of AOC. <laughs> but he actually has a bank account. Oh, okay. Apparently, he has seven million dollars worth of friends. <laughs> so well, it's amazing how how these guys run run for office like that, and then they walk away with these huge huge bank accounts. You know, mm-hmm. Andrew Gillum, you know, another good oh, example. My gosh, ran for nightmare. governor and walked away at four million dollars. He's bank. running off with a gay porn star in Miami yeah. in the hotel. You know, hi. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's funny because it, one of the stories last week was was Hillary Clinton, you know, making the comeback, you know, for oh, you know, she and, is so old now too. It, it's when like they show her it, out of the entire Democrat Party. Are you telling me that the best they can do if they can't figure out that Joe Biden <laughs> may may not make it across the finish line, <laughs> and Kamala Harris would be a, a, a complete disaster? So the only person that can rescue the entire party is Hillary out of, out of a probably 100 million people, 100 million Democrats, it's Hillary Clinton. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's pretty, insane. It's bad, right? It, it's, you know, you look at the Republican, and we we have a huge bench of people. I mean, do. just just pick, you know, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, you know, we have the A-team. Well, and, and the first time Trump ran, remember, there was 17 candidates. Yep. I was at, down at that Sunshine State Summit, and <laughs> so many candidates i mean i didn't care for a lot of them (laughs) but you know and then i don't know if you saw that new york times article this week that um was about trump and desantis and you know there's conflict between them yeah they can't they can't even name a a stinking open source right and and then trump comes out and says there's there's no issue between between me and ron desantis yeah, you know, well, so I'll, I'll take Trump's word over over the New York press's word. Yeah, but you can't. Even, you don't even have one single stinking <laughs> name. You know, a secret source said that Trump yeah. and DeSantis aren't getting along. So <laughs> uh, that, just, that, that's just typical of, of the press these days. You know, they sit there and they try to sugarcoat everything that's bad. Yeah, yeah, and and hide hide the reality. You know, and it whether it's COVID and and COVID misinformation. You know, and and I know we're gonna we're gonna we got a guest coming up here. We're going to talk about yeah, that, we're that shortly. Talk and, about that. Yeah. and uh, you know, it's it's this it's this concept of all of a sudden Google and Twitter and Facebook are the arbiters of the truth in this country, which is so and it's scary. frightening. You know, it really it is, is really frightening. And you and I, we talk about it all the time that all the people that have been censored and can't you know post anything, they get deleted. And you know, Alan West is one too that 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 things he's posted, Facebook won't 
always run right. over the years. Well, and you, you know me, I don't, I don't do social media. I don't Twitter. I, I don't Facebook. I'm trying I don't Instagram. To, trying to help you. <laughs> well, but you, well, but now I, you're, I did. What's the I new did, one that you just downloaded? You were telling. Yeah, me. I, I, I have, I have decided because conserv- we need to build a conservative version of these social sites. I decided to actually sign up for one. So. So I, know, I, I have a, a Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R account Getter. now, which is like yeah, Twitter, like <laughs> <laughs> but I am at Wingman John yes, you on are. Getter. So. Yes, and then I tried to sign up because you told me that, but but I don't know, I somehow in the app in the app store, it was like trying to charge me. So I must have hit the wrong one. So it was probably fog of war trying to, you know. Okay. And I was like, I'm not paying for no, any it's, of this. No, it's a free app. Just- but that's what you told me. So I just have not had a chance. But um, we have got a huge show today. We just had Colonel Allen West. We've got Dr. Bill Flynn. He's an internal med doc. He's been on the show before. He's going to talk about COVID and politics. We've got Commissioner Griff Griffiths joining us at 9 a.m. So we'll see what's happening in Bay County because... DeSanta Claus was just here and brought a bag full of million, several million dollars for Bank County. Uh, we'll hear from him, and then he's running for the district seat, six seat. And then we've got Attorney Greg Crosslin and um, Congressional District 1 Chairman Tim Norris. They've been on the show before. They're fighting the fight because so many doctors and nurses have been fired. So they're, they're going to talk about this new bill that they've um, got folks sponsoring over at the legislature to to help protect people that have lost their jobs. So we've got a lot going on. We'll be back. Join Panhandle's favorite Air Force veteran, Veronica, as she fights for conservative values in America. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Wrong in my life and I made it right. I feel free. Do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. Feel free. Who cares what they say? Welcome back to Veronica Live, and we are here with our next guest. We've got Dr. William Flynn. He's an internal med doctor here in town, and he he helped treat me with my recent COVID light battle. Welcome, Dr. Flynn. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> He's my favorite doctor because he helped me get to the, you know, COVID light. It wasn't bad, I have to say. So we're here to talk about COVID, and you've treated, is it more than 500 patients now, Dr. Yes, Flynn? Yes, uh, over, over the last two years, it's been... 560 or so. Wow. Wow. Just since uh, Christmas, it's been about 70 with uh, what we call COVID light. That's what I'm calling it. (laughs) Uh, And what are we seeing with COVID light? We generally see a sore throat, raspy voice, uh, cough, and headache. But you don't get this overwhelming fatigue and debility that we got with the other versions of COVID. Mm -hmm. And generally, you're... You're sick for a couple of days, you know, you miss a few days of work, but you're not, you're not real sick. Uh, of the 70 or so I've treated, none have ended up in the emergency room. Uh, none are in the hospital. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a milder version. Now, are some of these people, um, are some unvaxxed that you've been treating? Uh, it's this... Uh, yeah, some are unvaxxed, and uh, the majority are vaxxed. I think in my population of patients, the most of my patients have had the vaccine. Uh, but the vaccine doesn't seem to work too well against this virus. It's in part because it's got so many different mutations compared to 
your the previous uh, versions of mm-hmm. COVID, uh, it's really hard to explain why this just popped up out of the blue and it's got about 50 separate mutations where normally you see one or two mutations at a time. You don't see this whole group of mutations. Yeah. And uh, we we don't have any good answers for that one yet. Right, right. Well, I know this morning, you know, I always have um, the Communist News Network on because I got to see what they're doing. And they were pushing that with the booster, if you got the booster, that ninety, you have a 90% chance of not getting hospitalized with the booster. And with the two shots, it's only at 57%. So why are they pushing this all the time, oh, <laughs> telling us well, these things? Well, your odds of getting hospitalized with this, whether you've had a booster or no shots, I mean, is, is really quite low. Um, and about 40% of the people that have COVID that are in the hospital, they're in for something else. Mm-hmm. And they just have to test positive while they're in the hospital. Uh, it's, it's not the same overwhelming uh, thing we saw in, in July and August. Uh, in July and August in Bay County, we were seeing about 12 to 1,500 new cases a week, and the hospitals were slammed. Now we're seeing 25 to 2,800 a week in Bay County. And the hospitals are busy because it's this time of year where they're always busy. And this time I'm thinking that the actual numbers are are higher by a factor of five because most people that are diagnosed with COVID, it's either a home test or test in their doctor's office. Those numbers don't get reported to the public health authorities. And so I'm thinking... A lot more people have it than what's being reported. Okay. And then the flu's out there, too. The flu's you know, out the there, The flu's yeah. definitely out there now as well. We made it through last year with no flu. This year, we're seeing a fair amount of it. Uh, so that's another factor. Well, where, where do you think all this, 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 we have so much misinformation out there. Where, where do you go to get facts? I know, I know in one case, we have the CEO of Merck, who makes one of the vaccines, saying, it basically doesn't work against the Omicron version. And now we have the CDC coming out saying, oh, yes, it does. It's it's really effective. You need to get the booster. So do we believe the people that make it or do we believe the government who, <laughs> who seems to believe? have a political We're agenda here? We're talking with Dr. Flynn. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe anything. I, 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 my default assumption is it's probably not true or it's probably being shaded in such a way to advance a, a, a narrative. But a lot of times it's just, don't believe what I'm reading. Well, you were my doctor when I got COVID light and you brought over, um, it was a bottle of some, I don't know, the, the stuff on it. It was all vitamins. Yeah. You oh, it was vitamin C, mm-hmm. vitamin D, zinc, and quercetin. That's Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Quercetin, yeah, because I'd never heard of that one. The zinc and quercetin are kind of the magic ingredients uh, in that when a cell is infected, if you get enough zinc in that cell, it shuts it down. But normally zinc will just trickle into the average human cell. The quercetin basically carries it in. And so that's, that's why it's effective, the combination is effective of, of shutting down the virus. And you said to take a baby aspirin. And, and then at night you said to take some melatonin. Melatonin, yes. Uh, the aspirin is because people die from blood clots with COVID. And so it's, it's in the first stage of the disease, it's a viral infection. 
The second phase, it's a blood clotting disorder, among other things. So you just want to prevent blood clots. And I'm not sure why melatonin works, but uh, I, I don't know the mechanism behind it, but people smarter than me are telling us to use it. <laughs> are, are any of the other therapeutics, like, like this new Plaxlovoid, which supposedly is really, really effective against it, are, are those available? I mean, it's, you know, the government seems to have been dragging their feet on on uh, getting those ordered. I can't really speak about that. I, I've never prescribed it or never tried to prescribe it. I'm not that impressed with the preliminary studies and I'm, I'm worried about the toxicity of it. So mm. I, I'm sitting on the sidelines waiting. I'm not saying they're bad drugs or anything. I just don't know enough about them yet. Now, I've, now that I've had COVID light and, you know, do I still need to go get the booster? That's my question for you. Uh, I'm not a fan of the booster. Okay. Uh, I've got serious concerns about blood clots and strokes a couple of weeks after having the booster. And there's, there's a mechanism behind there that, that where you could postulate that, yes, the boosters can predispose you to this. I'm not saying it's happening. I've, I've got enough concerns where I'm, I'm not going to be recommending the booster. I've actually got the booster in my office, and then uh, after we ordered it, I started looking at the numbers and trying to get as much information as I could, and it's 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 confusing, but I've got concerns about uh, blood clots with it. Okay. So I, I think most people, if you've had either the Johnson Johnson one-dose vaccine or the other vaccines, which are two doses, if you had that, you know, you, you've got pretty good protection. And, yes, you can get covid after that. In fact, they don't do a very good job of preventing you from having COVID, but you don't get really sick, mm -hmm. you know, if you've had the vaccine. You're much less likely to end up in the hospital. It's 80% drop in that. And you're 95% less likely to die from it. So the, the vaccines are worth worthwhile in that, but I'm not convinced the booster adds anything to the well, that, well, that's that mi mixed messaging because the CDC is like, well, if it's been six months, you know, your shots aren't, they aren't valid. Right, and right. so they, that's they, why, I'm, you know, I was so nervous because I was sick and I couldn't get the booster. And then, of course, I got COVID light and luckily it was not well, bad. Well, it, it's, it's not just that. It's, it's you know, get the booster and, oh, by the way, the booster only works for 45 days. So you got to get another booster and then you got to get another booster. And it's like, where, where does it ever well, end? And Israel now's done four, you yeah. know, the fourth shot. And... Uh, so, yeah, where does it, what, what do we do, Dr. Flynn? Because well, I think we scary. look at Israel, we look at places that are ahead of us in the game and see how are they doing, and the answer is not too good. Uh, we're talking about Israel, Ireland, uh, Gibraltar. Uh, they have high rates, and, you know, it's hard to demonstrate uh, any efficacy. It's kind of interesting. In Israel, you look at, the Israelis versus the Palestinians. Palestinians didn't trust the shots. A lot of them didn't get vaccinated. Their numbers actually, if anything, look better than the Israelis. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to make a case that these vaccines are making a big difference. Uh, I think the initial round of vaccines were useful. I think anything after that, they didn't study them. They didn't. They just brought it out and said, here, let's try this without even setting up a group like, we'll follow this group and see how they do. Um, and so to me, that's, that was uh, uh, reckless. Right. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little nervous because 
like up north, if, when doctors have tried to prescribe ivermectin, and you know they're they're getting flagged as <laughs> that's not the drug to prescribe. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, misinformation about ivermectin, and it, you know I found it to be very helpful. It's it works in, in a lot of ways. It's a good drug. It's very safe. But uh, and when would you give somebody ivermectin? You need to give it early on in the process. You need to give it of getting COVID. Uh, of getting COVID, really, ideally within three or four days of the first symptom. If you wait past day eight or nine, you've missed your your opportunity of effectiveness. Uh, it, it won't work. I mean, it won't do much good. Although it it does, I should correct myself on that. It does do some good, but well, we are talking with Dr. Flynn, and we'll be back. Continue our COVID discussion. We'll be right back. Veronica Live on News Talk 101. Welcome to Veronica Live, and we're continuing our COVID uh, discussion with Dr. William Flynn. He's Bill Flynn. He's an internal med doctor here who helped treat me with my COVID light. What are some other medicines that we can give people when they're diagnosed with COVID, Dr. Flynn? Uh, well, it depends on their presenting symptoms, but uh, the main thing is is actually uh, the the zinc and quercetin, vitamin C and D, aspirin and melatonin. I'm not using that much ivermectin because we don't need it. It's people aren't getting that sick. Good. Uh, Good. We could use that. We could use hydroxychloroquine. But I'm just not seeing a need for it. Uh, I generally give a, a 10-day course of uh, steroids called dexamethasone. That helps with the cough and the congestion and, and the fatigue and malaise. And then, then just treat symptomatically with cough syrup and whatever, whatever else they need. And the lingering cough, because some of us still have the lingering cough. So back to the hydro... What's the, I can't say that word. The Hydroxychloroquine. Yes. When would you give that one? I that haven't drug. used that in a while just because okay. it was hard to get. Um, it works kind of like ivermectin in that it, uh, it allows the zinc to get transported into the cell to kill the virus. But it also, uh, when we first using it, it was good because it kept the virus from replicating as quickly. kind of give, gives the immune system a chance to get on its feet and catch up. So you take that right in the beginning. Take then. right at the okay. beginning, yeah. Um, I guess I, you probably saw, because we're all very political in here, the U.K., the prime minister um, has said, we don't need to wear masks in England. I wish I had an English accent because I <laughs> yeah. would say it with an accent. Masks just don't work, do they, Dr. Flynn? Well, they haven't worked yet, but <laughs> maybe if we keep trying and wear three masks, maybe it'll work. Uh, it, it, it just hasn't worked. You know, all the times they say, oh, it should 70 percent, this and that. These are modeled studies. These aren't real-world stuff. If they had worked, we would have seen it by now. Yeah. Well, and I just flew again, and I had to wear a mask for, you know, several hours in the airport because the, the, the mask Nazis are out there, and it really is no fun wearing well, masks, the air, and especially airlines for children. Have, airlines have no choice in the matter. They, they have to do it. They have to enforce that. FAA mm-hmm. says you will do this. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's not the airline's fault, it's the FAA. Yeah, they, they just had a flight 
like yesterday that they got turned around. They left. I saw they that. left. Is going overseas. They left in Miami one to woman, London. Right. One woman would not wear a mask, so they yes. turned a flight around and, and went back to Miami. And ruined it for everyone else <laughs> trying to go to free, you know, yeah. England with it. There's no mask it's, anymore. It's you know, doctor, is is this is is COVID at the point where we just need to treat it as like like a flu, a bad case of the flu? But it it's we just need to live with it and get on with our lives. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I've said a long, for a long time, it's not going away. It's just going to keep coming back. And the key thing is to recognize it when you have it and hit it early, hit it hard, treat it early. Uh, I, I don't think the vaccines are going to knock it out. They haven't. Uh, so we just got, yeah, we got to get used to it. Well, and every time Dr. Fauci comes out, he's like, you know, be prepared to expect the next worst case of uh, COVID ever, everybody, you know, it's just, it's a constant, this is the worst thing ever and not living with it. Well, well, it's typical government though, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the fudge yeah. factor, you no, know? Yeah, I'm, I'm so and, like, and I, I, yeah, when, when Fauci comes out, I, it makes me puke because I don't believe him anymore. And, and that's the sad part. It's like, if you can't, you know, what's, what's the point of having a CDC if you, you don't believe anything they're saying anymore because everything is shaded by politics now. Yes. And, and, and trying to coerce people into getting, and you know me, I'm Mr. Anti-Vaccine here. Yes, John has not had the vaccine. <laughs> I've not had it, and uh, I don't... And you're still kicking. I'm fine, you know. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, I would say, if you haven't had the vaccine, pick up the home test. If you have it, if you test positive, then boom, jump on it early. Uh, I tell my patients, call me on weekends. You know, I, it's soon... The sooner you get this stuff in your system, the better. You don't want to sit around on the couch and say, I'll be better tomorrow. Don't call Flynn. You know, that kind of thing. Those those people don't do well. Dr. Flynn makes house calls, I have to say. <laughs> so. well, well, I, I was kind of, at, it, my, my wife had COVID about a year ago, and she had a bad case of it, you know, 103 temperature in bed for three days, that kind of stuff. And, and the sad part was, she couldn't get any treatment for it, you know. N nobody would, would do anything. Just like kind of ride it out, you know, and hope you don't have to go to the hospital. Yeah, doctors are very afraid to uh, buck the prevailing trends. We're, we're turned into a bunch of wimps. Uh, I've had COVID twice. I had it in the first round back in August of 2020. I, within three hours of my first symptom, I was treating myself, and I was sick for a day and a half and then got better. And I also had uh, the COVID light, and I had a sore throat for a couple, for a day and so i went to the office it was on the weekend and i tested myself and i oh no i popped positive that means i gotta stay out of work for the next five days yes so i got a lot of yard work done and i saw you walking the dog <laughs> walking the them, dog one of your three yeah. <laughs> got the garage cleaned out you know I, I i felt fine i you know i i i didn't feel great but i felt well enough to go to work but i knew if i went to work i'd be infectious right and i didn't want to do that to my patients so right and in my office, out of the nine of us, five have had COVID light. So it's it's quite quite contagious, spreads very easily. So are, is, is our government out of control, Dr. Flynn, with, with COVID? I mean, it's like if you go up north, even when I went to the New Orleans, um, the Saints game, like I had to show that I'd been vaxxed over, over New Orleans. You know, I just feel like we're so out of, we're so crazy right now. Yeah, I, I think it's good. People in the government want to tell you what to do, and they want you to behave. Do it or else. 
And um, Dr. Flynn is famous in our town because he, he, he paid for some billboards around town. Tell us about your billboard that was up for quite a while. Well, it was up for about a month. I had two billboards up that said, gas prices high, question mark. Thanks, Joe. And <laughs> I, just, I just did it because I, I was, there's no reason for us to limit our ability to drill for oil and refine it and transport it. And so what happens is we're running short. This was a couple of months ago, and we're asking OPEC, oh, please produce more oil. We're asking the Russians, oh, please produce more oil. That's not, not the way I want to see our country going through life, asking thugs to uh, do stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're always very political. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share with us today? Oh, I've got a lot COVID. of thoughts, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I... I I think this uh, Joe Biden tenure has just been an absolute crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Nothing he's done has worked right. And uh, I think it's time for the people that voted for him to at least go out there and admit it and say, gas prices, hey, I own that one because I voted for him and I'm proud that you're paying more for your gas. And I just want everybody that voted for Biden to just man up and say, yes, I'm I'm glad a bunch of illegal aliens flooding the southern southwest coast. Hey, I own that. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> uh, well, we've got a couple minutes left. Is, is there anything else you can tell COVID, COVID, you know, folks that are scared? I mean, it, it really wasn't bad. I felt like for two days I was kind of miserable, but it yeah. wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, I, I say just go out. You're probably going to catch it. Get used to it. Each time you catch COVID, and I've said for quite a while, we're probably going to catch it a couple times. The more our body sees it, the better we handle it, and the less intense it becomes. And if you get sick, get treatment. Yeah. But I can't tell you where to get treatment because so many doctors are are, uh, just afraid of bucking the trend. Right, right. That that part, that's the part that really bothers me. It it really does. Did you have to go... Go fi- try to find a doctor that will prescribe stuff. I- I'm the patient. I shouldn't be having to go to a doctor and say, could I, could you give me some, some hydrochloroquine yeah. or, <laughs> you well, know, ivermectin or something? You know, that, that's a sad, sad state of affairs. There's a very good go-to website, Frontline COVID Care Coalition or something like that, flccc.com. And uh, they've got treatment protocols, and it's it's a good resource if you want to find out more about not if you get COVID, but when you get COVID. Because right. no matter how well you hide, it's you're going to get it probably. Right. And yeah. and and this week the the government finally opened up their new website where you can get you can order free COVID four tests four per tests. address. Right. And they also changed the insurance insurance companies now. If you if you're covered by insurance. They have to pay for the COVID test, a home home test now. But that was really complicated. So yes, yeah, so Wednesday the government released that website. So I, I somebody shared it with me, and I shared it with everybody I know. So I I should be receiving four COVID tests at my address. So I'm very curious to see when they're going to show up. And then you know I shared it on the the mom um, page at University of Florida. But apparently, if you're like a P.O. box, it wouldn't send it to the kids. Well, what was interesting is it, it, I got a receipt, an acknowledgement back, and it says, 
U.S. post office system. Right, <laughs> right. Which is kind of strange, you know. You don't have to have COVID shots. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, yeah, if you've got if you got insurance, go down to you know whatever your favorite drugstore is or whatever. Get your home COVID test, and the insurance company, some of them, some insurances pay for it up front. Others will reimburse you after it 100%. It seems really complicated. That's why I signed up for the four because yeah. I'm tired of paying for, for <laughs> tests. But can you even find them? Because most stores, when I ended up with COVID, you know, my husband went to four stores trying to find the in-home ones. Well, I saw I saw the, that somebody had characterized the uh, Biden's operation on COVID as Operation Snail Pace, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to more speed. Uh, so. Well, Dr. Flynn, it's been awesome having you in here, and thanks for the COVID update. And really, you know, COVID light's not too bad. And when we come back, we're going to have Commissioner Griff Griffiths is going to join us and talk about how Governor DeSantis was just here passing out more money to Bay County. <laughs> and then we also have, who's um, going to talk about his campaign for the representative district six seat that he's running for. So yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we got 10 seconds, John. Good stuff. All <laughs> kinds of good stuff. Here hey. we go. We'll be right back. W-I-O-O Springfield. This is News Talk at 101. Panama City's information station. Patriot Veronica loves God, guns, America, and talking to you. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome to Veronica Live. We are back. We are back. And that sounded great. I was dancing to Pitbull. <laughs> uh, well, we are. We have our next guest. He's a regular. He's part of our family, Commissioner Griff Griffiths. He is um, running for the candidate. You're the candidate for the state representative district six seat. And we haven't had you in here in a while. I haven't been since you since you are, a, a, I guess, a solo show now, except with multiple guest hosts. Yes. But no, it's been since before Christmas, so good to see y'all. Yes, welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New and Year. And I know we were just discussing off air because you also had COVID light. So. I did. I did. I got my My whole family got it right after Christmas. Sounds like the same week you had it. Mm-hmm. Um, if And if that's what it was, good. Let's get it on and get it out of the way because... Uh, had a couple of days I felt kind of ratty and but had I not known I was had COVID, I probably would have gone to work because I have felt much worse before and worked in much sicker, I think. Right. So it uh yeah, glad I got it, checked it off the list and move on. Is that the only time you've had COVID? That I know of. Okay. Yeah, that okay. I know of. Well great. I'm glad you're healthy. Yeah, I, I thought I I've definitely had rounds of flu that were worse sure, than that. Sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh I got chicken pox when I was nineteen in college. Um, I didn't get them as a kid. And so I caught chicken pox at 19 and that was the worst two weeks of my life. I had it at 13 and I agree with you. Yeah, I wanted so to die. I, I, <laughs> I in that's still, that 30 years later, that's still embedded yes. into my memory is awful. So it was nothing compared to that. Nothing yeah, compared no, to I, that. I totally uh, agree with you, but what's happening in Bay County? I saw um, Santa Claus, Governor DeSantis, <laughs> Santa Governor, Claus. No, no, I got a new one now. It's, it's DeSanta Claus. DeSanta Governor Claus. Governor DeSanta Claus. <laughs> brought millions in his bag again. He never comes empty-handed, does he? He's no. like our favorite guy. He so, shows up with cash. It's just amazing. So it was $20 million for the community development block. CDB, CDBG. Disaster Recovery. Right. 
So it's very complicated to say. Right. So what is that $20 million for, Greg? That'll be for mostly for Panama City. That check was for mostly Panama City to do a lot of infrastructure repair for them for stormwater, water, and sewer, of which is aging, aging infrastructure in Panama City, 100-year-old stuff that needed to be redone. And it's for the what they call the Drummond Park St. Andrews area. Uh, they're very excited to get that money. The state has been very good to work with, the Department of Economic Opp Opportunity, um, with Dane Eagle in charge and, and Governor DeSantis's leadership has been very good friends to Bay County and the citizens of Bay County. They come down here all the time to meet with us and to, to discuss those, uh, those block grants. Those block grants are going to be around for a long time, and we need to take advantage of those to, uh, to, improve, our, to improve our community as well as add new uh, and, and great quality of life issues. Maybe it's uh, you know, indoor facilities, new parks, uh, boat ramps, whatever we can do, we're going to tap every resource we can to uh, enhance what we already have in our little piece of paradise out so, here. So what is a block grant? That's like from Florida? It's it's federal money that sits in the state coffers. It's okay. uh, community development block grants. There's all different categories. Um, we are we work mainly with the hurricane, the, the disaster recovery grants, it's because we have a pretty good excuse since three years ago we got whacked by a Cat 5. So the state remembers that. They recognize that, and they're willing to help every step of the way. Where, where are we at in the overall, you know, we, we, we're always hearing about hurricane money coming in from FEMA, right, from right. state and everything. Where in, in the big picture, are, are we 50% recovered for the expenses and everything? Expense-wise, we're probably closer to 70%. Um, we have done an amazing job of uh, recovering those funds. We borrowed $300-plus million dollars for disaster relief. Most of that was debris removal. And we've uh, received a huge chunk of that back from FEMA. Now, even when we pay off everything, we'll still be on the hook for the interest for those, that $300 million. Uh, that is not a reimbursable expense. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Commissioner Carroll and I were discussing this just the other day, and um, we, within a handful of years, we will be completely paid off. And that's, that's pretty remarkable for a community our size to borrow the amount of money we did, not have to raise taxes to do it, and to uh, to be able to pay it off quickly. We have a, a very good relationship with FEMA, and it can be very challenging. It's um, probably, I don't know this firsthand, but it's probably like an ex-wife, ex-husband type thing. You have to, <laughs> you do it for the betterment of all, even when you don't get along very well. It's uh, the Bay County children, Greg. That's right. The Bay County is the child, and we work, we co-parent very well. And so... Um, it's been, a, it's been a very good relationship with them, and we'll continue to work with them. That won't go away. We will deal with them for uh, another decade probably. They'll still really? be. Yes. that's uh, They're still working with um, Katrina grants over there, you know, 15 years later. So it's it's a long, long-term relationship. And so thus you want to you keep it um, as productive as you can. There's no point in pointing fingers, screaming and yelling. It's better just get in a room and try to figure out solutions. Are, are we going to start seeing some of the road money you know the repaving because yeah you know the those roads those got trucks, destroyed yeah they just the roads just got destroyed mess. we uh that that's kind of a, a negotiating phase we go through right now we'll we'll submit a block of roads and they will say yes and then we will come back and then it might be no we're not going to do that and that so we continue to fight for that you will see a lot of the roads repaved over the next two years a lot and if it's not through fema money we'll use the half cent sales tax money which has been um, we we leverage that money. We'll take that and to go to the state and say, hey, we want to repave this. We've got half a million dollars. Can you give us the other half? And it, the DOT has been very good to us as well. We, okay. We're very fortunate that we have very good relationships with these agencies that we've kind of fostered. And uh, I think it's paid off a lot. When we 
when they have some extra money, we have something on the shelf that's shovel ready. We'll we'll go after it. They'll, we'll put them to work. Good, because I'm I'm getting tired of the potholes. <laughs> well, I know. And Jinx Avenue just opened for those folks that live in town. The four yeah. lane of Jinx just opened. That's a big deal. So nice. Um, Three ninety. You know, looks like it's getting closer every day. That's not our project, but it's getting closer every day. So. Uh, moving traffic around the the Lynn Haven corridor has always been a challenge, and that'll be that'll be a bit of big improvement. Yeah, I, I, there's going to be a lot of people who are really happy when 395. You are gets, not kidding. Gets well, done. Well, yeah, mean, well, we had the mayor in here, and I asked him because 77 is a mess, but it's because 390 is closed. It's a mess, you know? and 390 now. If you're not paying attention, the the lane changes and the barriers. Yeah, ooh, it's it can be a little scary <laughs> at night. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't take it when it's dark. Yeah. Um, so what else is happening in Bay County? Because, you know, it's been a while since you've been in It here. has been. Um, we're doing a lot with derelict vessels. We're working. We got a big grant from the state, too, to remove all these boats. There's still a lot yes, of boats so how out there. how many have been removed? Oh, originally gosh. Originally, you told me 33, I think. I think it was 33. They're doing, they're doing a huge amount. Um, I saw one the other day over in Parker that they had removed. That uh, And I think what's going on now is... We're, we're starting to, and this is bad to know, but I think people are recognizing that they'll get their boat cleaned up, and so they'll just go out there and anchor it and leave it and um, know that eventually the state or the county will, will come in and drag it off. But we've got to make that process faster. Yeah. Um, these boats uh, become a nuisance. We had a call the other day in the Cove when we had one of these high wind days, and one of the boats was literally bumping these brand-new docks these people had just replaced ah. after Hurricane Michael, and the the neighbors were out there dragging this derelict boat. They were trying to just kind of replace it. Mm -hmm. And so one of them took his own anchors, went out there, drug the boat out in the middle of the bayou and re-anchored this derelict boat just That's so it awful. wouldn't destroy his dock. Yeah. And yeah. he's upset. And, uh, you know, we call FWC. We work with all our partner agencies to try to, to expedite that. That's a problem. We've got to get that fixed. And, and it's, it's damaging to the bay. The bay is... We have such a great ecosystem, and that bay mm -hmm. is so pristine. We don't need anything else to destroy that. You know, you know that's one thing I've, I've, I've off, not often, but occasionally thought about was wh where do old boats go to die kind of thing. Cause there must can, be some sort of you can recycle them. Everything well, can be recycled. Well, you know, you, an old car you take to the junkyard right. or recycler, you know, but right. what do you do with an old boat, you know? I mean, you where, crunch it up. <laughs> you crunch it up, make it small make pieces. Make it a reef somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the bigger ones, you know, absolutely. The the reef projects are always still going on. We work we have a great relationship now with the port, and they're giving us those big spools that they put that flexible wire on, and we go out into our sites and sink those for the the fishermen and the divers. Uh, the, that artificial reef program is it's getting it's pretty impressive. That's a lot of work that goes into that stuff. And last time you were here, you all were like um, adding more sand. Oh, we're doing the beach renourishment. Yes, yeah, is that done now? No, it's almost done. They had to take a break. I think one of the um, – so there's borrow sites offshore. The TDC years ago, when the first renourishment project was done in the late 90s, some of the sand came on – it didn't – some people complained about the quality or the color of the sand. And so years later, they went out and found these borrow sites that the sand quality is supposed to be identical to the sand quality on the beach. And so when they were going out with these hopper barges, they go out to these sites and they pull all this sand into this boat, and then they drag it, and then they hook it to the pipe and pump it to the beach. It's very rudimentary, but it's pretty impressive to watch. But long story short, they were getting a lot of shells in these counts, and so they had to bring a screener in to, to get the shells out. And I think that shut them down for a few weeks. But it was the far east end of the beach and the far west end of the beach. The center portion of the beach did not need um, any band-aiding, I guess is what they want to call it. 
Um, but it's a 100% federally funded project, and it's probably about 80 or 90% done. It's getting oh, close to being excellent. done. Yeah. Yeah, when I was when I flying down the beach a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and, I, and I saw them out there, yeah. and that was the thing that, that I noticed was the, the, the dredge was not that far offshore. Right, right. And so that was just, just sand that had kind of pushed just, out a little bit. They, they, they go to these back. sites and suck it up in that big boat, pull it up and park, hook it up to the pipe and pump all that sand in and redo it all over again. And they go 24 seven. It's a, it's a big project, really big project, which it's very beneficial to those upland property owners. It helps them out dramatically. Now, are they, are they dredging in, in the, in the pan, in the channel? In the past, past? they do that. The Corps of Engineers does that periodically to maintain that depth. I think it has to be 42 feet deep at all times for the barge traffic. So uh, the Corps of Engineers does that. And when they built that pass in the 40s, uh, they knew, I guess, based on the the literal drift is what it's called of sand goes from east to west. Um, when they built the pass, they knew they were disturbing the normal literal drift. So they claimed responsibility and will always take care of that pass to make sure that it's dredged. But I don't know that it's in this pro- this process. I think this is just sim- simply the beachfront right now. Okay. So I'll bring up the, the, the perennial thing, and that's, that's dredging each pass. Oh, man. Occasionally she'll I see, know, we're three see minutes stickers before on the break, but, yes, everybody always asks I was, about that. I'm hopeful that, you know, we can get some of those pilots at Tyndall to just expedite this and drop a few bombs <laughs> over there, and we'll do it. We'll make it happen. Let me call. Let me call. I that's know like, a few people. It's like the Marifarm saying there, you know. It got the UDT people to go out there and blow, to blow that's up those right. things. That's right. Yeah, that's funny. The Marifarms. I hadn't heard that in a long time. But, no, East Pass – you know, we have a study going that's required for the permitting phase. It's just, um, you know, there's there's light speed and there's warp speed and then there's government <laughs> speed. <laughs> and government speed is really slow. Um, and But that is absolutely a priority, I think, for I know the five sitting commissioners. And uh, if ever elected to the state house, that would be, you know, obviously one of, our, I think, a legislative well, priority for all of us. You can see where it's filling in. And, and it's just getting worse, you know. The longer they keep it closed, the worse it, it, it was. Gets it maintained, in. you know, it was open for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until Hurricane Opal, um, and then when they tried to redo it and they did things wrong for an experimental thing. But it does help the quality of the bay. It absolutely yeah, yeah, helps definitely. the quality of the bay. And so uh, it's uh, it needs to be done. It needs to be done right. I'm a big supporter of that. I would love to have the East Pass done. Um, in short order, that would be great. But I don't, it'll be years before we get it done. But Maybe they we can will do another set of jetties or something out there. They've kind of alluded know. to the fact that they will allow us to dredge, but not jetty. Which I said, well, let's get it dredged, and we'll fight the jetty fight after but, that. Well, but, if the jetty on on the main one that we have right now causes the problem, why not put another why one not there put to another fix one? it? Right, and we'll maintain it. <laughs> That's what I said. We'll take responsibility. Yeah. John, you're getting too smart in here uh, before our break. The engineer part, you know, keeps <laughs> popping up. <laughs> Uh, well, we're, we're speaking with um, Commissioner Griff Griffiths. He's talking about everything Bay County. We're also going to talk about his uh, running for office today. There's just a lot going on, and, you know, we're still learning when the breaks are going to start here. Yeah, and that, it doesn't help that clock's two minutes <laughs> behind know, right? up there. <laughs> uh, I think we have 20 seconds. Hey, but, you, um, the right and clock. he just survived COVID light. So. Uh, COVID light. Got it out of the way. Everything's good. Everybody. All right. So we'll be right back. They say just live your life because we don't live twice. Feel free. At a time of our lives, let's all get wild tonight. Feel free. I hit the lotto. I don't know about you.
It's time to start your day with Patriot and Air Force veteran Veronica with a shot of conservatism. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Veronica Live. And we are here with Commissioner Griff Griffiths talking everything Bay County. Everything Bay County. Are we ready for spring break? Always, always. Our spring breaks have been, they obviously tamed themselves down after the commission passed the no drinking on the sand ordinance back in 15, maybe 14 or 15. I thought it was glorious when they did that. Oh, it was a great decision, wasn't it? It It's a really great decision. Oh, here's an interesting piece of it. We can talk about something too. So there's a, a bill running through the state legislature right now, HB something or other. But anyhow, what it does is it, it pen, it penalizes the city or county government if it makes a rule or law that takes more than 15% profit out of a business's pocketbook. So, for instance, if um, – and the, this is the example I use. The county commission banned spring break. Right. Right? That was a land use change, essentially. It took drinking off the beaches. That took – obviously a huge amount of profits out of the hotel owners on the beach for that. They were all mad initially. They were, they were very mad initially. Um, they could sue for that based on this law. They could sue the county or city government. Now, I'm also understand. – I'm a small government guy. I don't think it's very good for government to legislate people out of business. I think the free market handles that very well. So I see both sides of the, the argument on this, but it's also very scary that locals – um, home rule, if you call it, can't make decisions for their community, mm-hmm. um, and Tallahassee will uh, will preempt all that with this rule. So it could, um, you know, if a community wanted to say, we're going to ban uh, alcohol sales for, and from 12 midnight to 2 a.m. every day, and the bars get together and say, well, we sell this much booze during this two hours, and it's more than a 15% drop, and they can sue the city or county government for that loss of profit for seven. I think it's a seven-year retro back. Um, wow. So there's there's a lot of things like that. It's a very conservative bill, very conservative so government. That isn't on the books fully. It's just it's being... it's going through committees right, right, right now. Okay. I, I watched okay. some of the debate. It was on on the Florida, the Florida Channel, Channel. That's right. The other day, and and I was I was shocked listening to it. I was like, what what are they doing? They're crazy. You know, it's, because all they're going to do is well, end who up. Who put it forward? Was it Dems that put that no, forward? No, it's no, it's Republicans. Yeah, and it's very much a Senate president um, sponsored. Really, ish but, but initiative. You're going to end up with the counties and cities spending so much money on litigation, on litigation mm-hmm. and it's like, you're wait right. a minute, that's that's more tax money coming out of my mm-hmm. pocket to pay for for something. Right. You know, our community unintended consequences. Our community you know? um, banned mopeds. You know, many years ago, and. Um, so think about that. If and now, granted, look, I'm I'm not. I don't think government needs to put people out of business. That's just bad government because you're gonna be on the wrong side of that government one day, and you might be in charge one day, but the other side is not good. And um, so, if we banned a a business, you know, if we say, you know, no, there's no donut shops or or you know ice cream shops, those folks can turn around and absolutely sue the city or county government for those lost profits, which is a little scary. Um, as John said, it, it'll tie up um, the city and county government's litigation departments for a, many, many fraudulent lawsuits yeah. as well. I think. So they're going to vote on this potentially? This, this vote most likely will be a law um, at really? the end of session. This is a very popular bill that has a lot of traction right now and most likely will be that way. I don't way. know if I like this. Uh, I, and, I, and our it's a very slippery forward. slope. It's, but, you, but I also look at it, I mean, it's, 
it makes this it makes a gentleman like myself, a, a commissioner, an elected official, really think about what they're doing when they make a change that's going to affect business. They really have to ponder that. And if they make if the elected board makes a conscious decision that they know could cost money, then okay. But it's still it's um you got to be very thoughtful in what you're doing now because home rule is important too. We we ought to be able to rule how we want to, if it's parking, lighting, noise, all those types of things, we ought to be able to do that in our own backyard because we're not like South Florida. We are nothing like them. Um, you, South of Lake City is different than us. And so, but, but haven't we become more of the family destination? Oh, 100%. We, especially with COVID? Uh, we've had a banner year since COVID. The The beach has been so busy. I think everybody's noticed the traffic. The and the airport, too. Airport's booming. I mean, the airport is booming. They need more parking every single day. And uh, so we're, we've been blessed. We're really been blessed. Even the rest of the country, COVID has been a disaster. And thanks to Governor DeSantis and his, you know, keep Florida open policy, we've been super blessed. And I don't think it's going to change. I think we're going to have a great summer again. God willing, no hurricanes and great weather. <laughs> Hopefully AOC won't come visit us, though. I don't think she likes our part of the world. We don't, yeah, we don't have the drag queens. We, uh, we're a little too, we're a little too red up here for her. She, uh, she likes that South Florida lifestyle. I bet a little different. Without the mask, she was like, you know. I don't know that she'd be, well, obviously we would welcome her because we'll welcome anybody. And obviously yeah. we'll take her money if she wants to come down here and spend it. But um, I'd rather she go downstate. Yeah, I, I, we'll be glad to take her money if she wants to spend it, but she can take her woke values and go back. Oh, and yeah. No, you can't leave anything here but your checkbook. That's yeah, right. We have about a minute and a half before the hard break, but we're talking with Commissioner Griff Griffiths and everything Bay County. So just so much always happening Always here. happening with a new FedEx facility. we got 200 new jobs that are going to happen. Where's that going? It's up at the uh, 231 Intermodal Distribution Center. It's the port-owned facility up there that um, has a train spur and easy access to 231 in the interstate. Is that, is that that spec building that they, that they built? They built, there? yep. It's a big facility right there um, where the incinerator used yeah. to be and all that. And um, it's n near that part of the world. That's 200 new jobs. And then there's a new... Um, uh, EDA has just announced another new um, company that's coming in up in the airport, the old GKN building that St. Joe owns. That is a trans. They build transformers for uh, electrical companies. Uh, Maloney, Carol Maloney, I think is the company's name. Two hundred more jobs there. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, great, great news for Bay County. Uh, Four hundred new jobs in Bay County in a couple of weeks. That's a really great thing. It'll take some time to get off the ground, but hundreds of millions of dollars in capital investment from these companies that are coming to our town to really try to, uh, you know, bring quality jobs and help everybody. Well, and Eastern Shipbuilding just opened up that $5 Oh, God, Eastern facility. Shipbuilding is a, a little gem. People just don't understand how lucky we are to have something like that in our backyard and what they're doing, you know, for the country and the Coast Guard. We're blessed. Uh, by the way, you brought up one of my favorite subjects, the incinerator. Okay, yes. but you're going to have to wait because I think we okay. are going to oh, break I'm, I'm in four seconds. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. Oh, here we go. There yep, we, go. we are going to break. All right, we'll be right back. We're speaking with Commissioner Griffiths. Three. 
Join Panhandle's favorite Air Force veteran, Veronica, as she fights for conservative values in America. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Veronica Live. And we are here with Commissioner Griff Griffiths. And he's running, say Griff Griffiths really fast five times, John. I don't think you can do it. I don't think and so. No, my mom didn't name me that. That's my nickname. Uh, and then the other hard part, literally, like, every, you know, we've done a lot together. Your last name has two F's and two T's. Two F's and two T's. No H in there. It's not Andy yes. Griffith. It's Griffiths. Yeah. So, so, you know, I've, I've learned it over the years because um, we've done a lot at Tyndall, too, together. Yep. So yep, tell we me sure about have. Tyndall. What's happening? Love Tyndall, right? Tyndall's our base of the future it's mm-hmm. one third of our economy here in bay county uh we have a lot of really cool things that are going to happen out at that base over the next handful of years as you know well veronica mm-hmm. um the one thing we have to do though is as i think it made the news in the last week is the educational component in bay county is suffering out so it hurts the base so if you're an airman or airwoman you know travel or being deployed to our base and you're wanting to bring your family Obviously, the quality of the education is a key component in that. And uh, so there, there's a huge discussion on that, how we can improve the quality of the education in Bay County so that the base doesn't suffer at all. We want those people that come here uh, to do their work and to do their mission to have everything they need at their fingertips. So the Tyndall Academy is a big part of that. I think um, Florida State University PC is um, looking at actively uh, kind of a 9 through 12 STEM sort of academies in the, in the future to really promote a high-quality education experience in Bay County. That's super important. we got to make sure that's a priority for us. Well, and military, we always, that's the number one thing. It is the where number one thing. Where are the best thing. schools? I, and I, I'd say <laughs> the that's story. that's where my house is going to be. Right. You know? I, say, I tell the people that um, I wouldn't exist if, if it weren't for Tyndall. My grandfather was stationed at Tyndall, met my grandmother, had my father who was born at Tyndall Field. <laughs> so without Tyndall, I don't exist. So. Wow. Well, well, we're going to talk a little bit about the campaign because that is going on now. Yep. And um, stuff, your 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 website, votegriff.com, is excellent. And now it has, you know, all your platforms yep, on all there. all the platforms on there. We've been working hard on it to make sure we do it right and correctly. The campaign will fire off hard here, really hard off here in the next few weeks. Uh, we're about eight months, a little under eight months from the primary. So I think the folks in Bay County, uh, they didn't want a real long primary season. We don't want to campaign for 18 months. Uh, I think people get tired. I think they often get confused on what you're even running for, especially with <laughs> municipal elections coming That's in true. April. They're like, well, you're running for Lynn Haven? Or, so um, So we've got a lot going on. We're, uh, we're raising money. We're out meeting with people, talking to the public, trying to uh, listen to the issues, uh, waiting on the state to finish their maps. The, the redistricting maps are starting to kind of fall in place a little bit. It looks like District 6 will, will be increasing in size to in pretty much take over the whole county, which is really what it should be. So a lot going on at the Tallahassee level. Really excited, looking forward to it, ready to get out there and knock doors, meet people, and uh, talk about the issues Bay County residents face uh, that I don't already deal with at a commission level. I know well, at the state level they're different. I want to talk about, because you're that votegriff.com, like the whole world has endorsed you. So let's chat about that. We've got... <laughs> Um, of course, all good um, friends. Very good yeah, friends. you're the tax collector, Chuck Perdue. Um, 
We've got, um, why is it not working now? I saw earlier that Patronus had endorsed Jimmy, you. Jimmy, Jimmy, and Dunn Congressman has endorsed Dunn, you. Um, Representative working. Trumbull. It's not working <laughs> China, for you this the morning. The Chinese took it over. I'm trying to, uh, uh, but invaded. I saw them all. That They're all great friends. Uh, you know, not only are they great at what they do, and, and it's very, you know, very humbling to be endorsed by people like that, but they're also very good friends. Uh, Jimmy and I have grown up together. Chuck Perdue and I grew up together. Um, Congressman Dunn, I've known my entire adult life. These are these are folks that are that that I've established great relationships with, and I'm just really humbled that they've taken the time to endorse but, me. But there's more. We've got Senator Joe Gruders. Yeah, also a Joe's player, a great friend too. And our Republican Party, and we've got Mayor Greg Brudnicki. Mayor Brudnicki's a friend. You. Known him my whole life as well. These yeah. are all friends. Uh, I know we get t- we get labeled as the good old boys and the establishment candidates and those things, but. It, we're a small town, still are, and I'm four generations deep. I've been here my whole life, and so we know these people. Um, Senator Gruders, I did not know until after the hurricane, and I was spending so much time in Tallahassee. You get to know those people uh, just through relationships, and he and I developed a very quick relationship um, just talking about everything other than politics. And so when I decided to run and asked him um, for an endorsement, he was like, absolutely. Um, he's just a, a really great guy. Um, he, he does some funny stuff. He, he filed a bill this week to change <laughs> the state song for one year to It's a Small World because of <laughs> Disney's 50th anniversary. So oh, Joe likes to have, Joe likes to have fun with the process a little bit. Yeah, he really does. He likes to have fun. So Joe's a lot of fun to be around, but I, yeah, I'm very humbled. I got a lot of friends, um, this community and a lot of support and, uh, that's, uh, a lot of the reason that I decided to run is I think it's super important whoever we send to Tallahassee, it can't be just for a placeholder. You know, well, this is not a, I'm not auditioning for parts. I'm really running to make a difference in Bay County. I think we have a lot of headway. We're at the tip of the spear considering what we've been through. Uh, we had a lot of disruptions and we're finally starting to kind of, the dust is finally settling after the last three and a half years. And we can, we got a lot going on and we got to keep this momentum going and push ahead. What are you looking at from a, from a, you know, obviously you're a commissioner, so you look at Bay County from mm-hmm. your perspective as far as policies right. and, and, and the direction you want to see. But, you know, when you come on the state representative, it's now not look, just us. You're looking at how, how, how to run the entire state. How the whole state, state. runs, right. So, and, and North Florida is very, very different from Miami-Dade and very, very different from Orlando, Tampa. Better believe it. And, and so how, how do you try to balance That's a great question, the, the, these John. three pieces of, it, of Florida? It's a great question. And uh, I, think you, I think you just have to know that our Bay County values are what we are, are set in stone. The Panhandle is a very conservative part of the world. The Panhandle delegation of legislators, the seven or eight in this area, uh, really stick together. They, they lock arms and carry that torch together to try to, to make sure that South Florida doesn't take over. They, they have a lot more votes from South Florida. So we have to build coalitions together and you have to, the panhandle has to stick together. And then you've got to work with those people downstate to try to figure out, but that one size fits all approach. It's hard in Florida because we are so vastly different. And as we were talking off the air, um, home rule is important too. The, we need to make sure locals, um, can make some changes within their, their government, whether it's local ordinances or to, uh, like our spring break ordinance spring break we the commission six years ago voted to to curb drinking on the beach and it changed the face of our community for the better obviously for the better and we know that um we don't ever 
need to let Tallahassee take that ability away, away from us. I think it's too important for us to maintain the quality of life that our citizens want. I don't want the guy in Miami-Dade County telling me how to live. Well, do you think there's areas where the state tends to overstep their bounds? I'm, I'm thinking like, like the septic system I do. rule a, a few years ago. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, as, as well, uh, as good as a friend as um, Representative Trumbull is and as an endorsement as well to me, he and I have disagreed on, on votes that he has made through the years. And I think the state um, does a lot of time overstep its boundaries. I do. I think they... They need to. Uh, they need to recognize that the, the locals, the the government, the best government is the one that's closest to the people, right. right? And so Tallahassee is not close to the people. We are not. That that part of the state simply looks at it and at a big broad brush. And I understand why the legislatures do things they do. If you have a community downstate that makes stupid rules and wants to raise the minimum wage to twenty five dollars or whatever, I understand that. But, but don't paint us with that pick, that brush. We are not that way here, and we've never been that way, or will we ever be that way? Even with all these people moving here, our, that leave those woke policies and all alone. Bay County is a great place to live, work, and play. We have great conservative values, and I think that's critical. We've got to take that to Tallahassee and make sure that they know uh, we're not going to budge on that. We're not going to budge on yeah, that. You know, and and you know, as you pointed out, North Florida has always had, traditionally in Florida, has been very powerful at the state level, you know, De very powerful. Dempsey, you know, that, Dempsey that, that Florida State Building is not named after Dempsey Barron for. Better believe there's it. There's a reason for that. <laughs> Better believe it. Dempsey Barron was a powerhouse, um, and we've been blessed. I mean, Speaker Bents, and then look at. Yeah. I mean, right now we have, with Representative Trumbull as appropriations chair, Senator Gaynor sitting at the TED's chairman. We have, G, um, CFO Patronus. Um, we have a great relationship with the governor that we can reach out to at any given time. We are sitting in a better spot than we have ever been in Tallahassee, probably. And, and that's with a lot of hard work from these folks. These guys have been working their butts off. And so with term limits coming out, I want to go up there and do the job. And uh, I think my orientation would be a lot shorter. I think I'd be the best candidate for the position. But, you know, you mentioned term limits. How, how do you think that's worked out as far as I'm, I'm just curious what your personal view is on that? <laughs> okay, that's a great question, too. So term limits, I think. So real quickly, term limits are, uh, I think, done every time there's an election. You can vote them out. But what scares me about the term limits in Tallahassee and what I've learned is it creates a deep state because the staff never leaves. Every eight years you get new people up there working, but the staff never changes. They might change offices or change who they work for. So the staff really runs the show instead of the elected officials up there. So I, I understand um, with term limits, I understand their purpose, but I also can understand that it, there's a, a unintended consequence that sometimes can be um, not so beneficial for the for the community. Do you see a way if you get elected that you can kind of try to break that? You know, is it oh, bringing in new so. people, new, uh, new staff, or oh, I, I would, yeah, cycle? no, I think new staff is critical. I think you got to have some folks that know the history and to help you kind of at, at least hold your hand a little bit to show you how the, the you know the. The world works, but new staff is always great, too. New ideas, creative right. ideas. Well, we are talking with Commissioner Griff Griffiths. We'll be right back. You may have heard that it's a new day at Bay Credit Union, and we believe that rising tides should raise all ships. To set your ship sailing off in the right direction, we're encouraging you to refinance your current high interest rate auto loan and get that budget back on a good heading. At Bay Credit Union, we can help with our Reduce, Refi, Relax program. Reduce your auto loan rate, refi online, and relax. With rates as low as 1.99% APR, 
Don't delay to set a course to BayCU.com today. Bay Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Program restrictions apply. Visit BayCU.com for details. Dr. Michelle Getz at Cove Dental Care is genuinely dedicated to personal dental care. Cove Dental Care alleviates the fear associated with dental work by creating a relaxing, friendly, and stress-free atmosphere. Cove Dental Care strives to provide affordable dental care as well as painless dental work through IV sedation. Along with general dentistry, Cove Dental Care offers Botox and Juvederm and a free teeth whitening for life program. Call Dr. Getz with Cove Dental Care at 769-1710 or visit covedentalcare.com. Who have we all had a little trouble social distancing from? Here's a clue. About six feet tall, has handles, and it's cold inside. That's right, our refrigerators. And our waistlines have suffered. However, Skechers would like to help you get back on track with our incredible Go Walk footwear. Because once you put on Skechers Go Walks, they're so comfortable, you'll be inspired to get out there and start walking. Skechers is a comfort technology company, and Go Walks are fully loaded with all the comfort and performance innovations you need. They're incredibly lightweight and breathable with features like air-cooled go mat insoles and bouncy foam bottoms for extra cushioning. And Go Walk footwear come in all the fits you love, like stretch fit, wide fit, Relaxed fit and arch fit with podiatrist certified arch support. Plus, you'll look great with so many stylish options to choose from, including easy slip ons and comfy lace ups. And they're even machine washable. It's time you distance yourself from that fridge. Get out there and start go walking. Find the number one walking footwear in the world, Skechers Go Walk, for men and women at Skechers.com, a Skechers store, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Pancare is now providing DOT physicals at our Bonifay and Freeport clinics. If you're in need of a Department of Transportation physical to operate a commercial vehicle, we're here to help. To schedule an appointment for your DOT physical, contact Pancare Bonifay at 850-547-5547. That's 850-547-5547 or Pancare Freeport at 850-880-6568. That's 850-880-6568. Veronica Live on News Talk 101. Welcome back to Veronica Live. And we are here talking with Commissioner Griff Griffiths. And um, you've got so many issues on, oh, your, on your website. So, again, it's votegriff.com. So let's talk economy because that's so Critical. important to our area. We've been talking that all morning, but that's like your number one issue on your page. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we have to foster government doesn't create jobs, but it has to create an environment that's that the, the, the market creates jobs. The free market takes care of most of the issues. If, it, if you don't do a good job in your restaurant or your retail and people don't shop with you, you go out of business. If you do a good job and they continue to shop with you and you're profitable, you continue to grow. That's the free market. It works very, very well and the public uses it. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got to foster that environment that's critical for the government to stay out of the way, less regulations. Small government is just a key to a, a prosperous business. And you've got tourism, which we all know. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I lived and breathed tourism for the first 45 years of my life, being in the hotel business with my family. Uh, I know I know it very well in Bay County, and I know the critical piece that it plays here in Bay County. And, and the growth we've had, my goodness, over the last you know, 30 years, just when it was all small mom and pop hotels like my dad. And and now we have these flags that are popping up everywhere. St. Joe has, you know, got the embassy suites is getting ready to open up at Pier Park. That's going to be just a spectacular hotel. I mean, if, let me tell you what, if I was 28 years old and still managing hotels, I'd be applying for that job because that <laughs> thing is going to be nice. Uh, but it, it's a, uh, we got a lot going on in this in this little Bay County that we call Paradise here. We're very, very, very lucky to live here, um, and 
people, the next few years, the growth that we're going to experience is going to be exponential with the hospital on Highway 79, with Margaritaville and Latitudes opening up thousands of homes. Uh, that 79 corridor is going to change dramatically over the next 10 years. A lot so, of work. So, um, Commissioner, you talked about relation, or you talked about FEMA, how that's a long-term, very long-term, probably going to be dealing with you know them for 15 years. Don't you feel that you've established the relationships that you need in Tallahassee to, and and with the federal government for all these connections that Florida needs to continue well, to thrive here? Yes, that's a part of the reason I ran is the importance of it. After the hurricane, we spent so much time in Tallahassee and in Washington, really. You know, I mean, we went how many days without a hurricane relief bill after, you know, 180 days or so. It was ridiculous. And so we were fighting for our community. Really, I mean, literally fighting, knocking on doors. I called it trick-or-treating. We just went to the capitals and just started knocking on doors to talk to people. We need help. We need your support. You know, we need people like you to stand up and come visit. Let me show you my community. And um, so those relationships that I've established, I think, were really just – you know, those people are, are good people. They work hard. They're just like us. They put their pants on one leg at a time, and they have other jobs and families. Uh, and so they're, they're, it's a th- being an elected official can be a thankless position at times, and it, you, get, you get a lot of stones thrown at you. So I think uh, when, you talk, when one elected official talks to another, you almost like a, it's like a police officer or a first responder or even military. We're all kind of in the same fraternity or our brotherhood and so we're all very close and so we establish relationships that I think uh, can be very fruitful long term they're very beneficial to the public I mean remember 30 years ago when you had networking events when people would (laughs) show up to do networking and you never really knew what it meant well now I understand it completely it's all about who you know sometimes yes you know sometimes you just need them to pick up the phone and talk to you all you need is somebody to answer that's right and and thankfully I have that relationship with a lot of folks and if I don't if I can't get that person on the phone, I can call somebody who can get that person on the phone very quickly, and we're very blessed with that. And uh, that's a lot of what we did after the hurricane. The elected officials around here, we were, you know, you let the emergency management professionals rebuild, do the, you know, the pods where we had water and information sites. But guys like me, what we were doing is we were we were calling people around the state or in, in Washington uh, asking for help. We need you to do this. We need you to do this. Can you talk to this organization or this department? And uh, that's that was a big role that we played. Yeah, I know. I know uh, Mark Anderson's a good friend of mine, and and that, you know, best they, supervisor of elections in the of, state. You know how how do you how do you run an election <laughs> you after know, a huge after a huge hurricane like that? And he reached out to supervisors should've. all over the state. You know, nobody had to go out and tell him to do it. He did it. He knows you know? how to do it. And, he's the best he, in the state. Right. I mean, he really is. Laurel Lee, the Secretary of State, um, after the hurricane, Mark, I was chairman of the commission, and he was lobbying for our what they called the super sites because right. um, we didn't have buildings to put the the buildings were gone where the old voter sites were. So Laura Lee when I were standing in Mark's office and, and he was go, doing his dog and pony show, which is very impressive. And uh, I said, have you been to all 67 counties supervisors? And she said, all 67. And she looked at me and she said, absolutely the best right here, hands down. I agree. So that's impressive. Mark Anderson runs a great shop down there. Um, he, you know, the little frog man, little seal guy. He's a <laughs> he's a tough little nut. I, I had the privilege of serving on the canvassing board um, during the last elections, and uh, got to work with him very intimately and his staff. And uh, I'll give his staff a lot of credit too. He has he has surrounded yeah. himself with really really good people. 
Um, but he has a great shop down there, and we're, we're very lucky to have him. You, we can talk about election in- integrity anywhere in the world but Bay County. Oh, yeah. I, I'll take Bay County's election system we, over anything uh, we, uh, in, in If it, everything was done like Mark Anderson did it, yeah. then um, I, there will be no questions. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's one of your issues is voting, and, and you're pro. We, we need to have an ID. Well, you can't <laughs> rent a car. You can't. I mean, right now you can't do anything without certain parts of the world without a vaccination card and an ID. What is the big deal about showing an ID to vote? I don't understand why people think this is a problem. You can't rent a wave runner on Panama City Beach without an ID. You can't rent a moped. You can't do anything in this world. You can't get on an airplane without an ID. You ought to, and you ought to darn sure ought to prove that you're a legitimate voter in the district or the state or the federal level. It's not that hard, people. We shouldn't give people voting rights that don't deserve them. Well, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's an interesting point because it's the liberal politicians that are making, saying, you know, minorities are, are not smart enough to go get a driver's license or not smart enough to go get an ID card. And, and I, heard, I heard a man on that's the street insulting. interview thing the other day where, where they went out and they went into a minority community, I think it was in New York City, and just started asking people, do you know where the driver's license bureau is? Do you know how to get a driver's license? And the people were insulted that they were being asked this kind right. of question. What do you <laughs> think, right. I'm stupid? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's like, well, apparently, you know, the people in the legislature think you're not smart enough to go be able to, go be able to get a, a driver's license. Well, in New York City, what did they, you, you don't even have to be a, a citizen. citizen. No. Yeah, you can just vote <laughs> because you live there. Yeah. I mean, where in the world, what kind of nonsense is that? Can you imagine if one of us moved to Mexico or Poland or wherever and <laughs> thought we were going to vote in their elections? <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. People, I don't understand that. That's, that to me is just simple. That's just simple. I don't get that at all. People ought to pay attention. And I mean, we, we, Voting is easy. We make it so easy for folks. You can vote over by mail. You can, you know, over two-week periods and all that. It, there's no excuse for people not to vote. And it's interesting that, you know, they, all, the, all the southern states, it's so easy to vote. But you go up north, and oh. it's like, you want an absentee ballot? Well, you have to have a, a legitimate excuse. Right, you, know, which, you have to be yeah. out of town or something. You just can't get You can't just request it. it. That's right. right. The early voting? No, just... Just if you if they have it, maybe it's a couple of days, that's but right. not not two weeks. Yeah. You know, they'd rather that's this. Listen, they the, the liberals love COVID, so they can think that this next election where they could just do mass mail out ballots, everybody gets a ballot. Oh, that's, that, their, that's their dream. That's their dream. Yeah. I love it. They listen. They steal that thing as quick as they. You better believe it. That's why we've got to make sure election election integrity is paramount. You got to have faith in your elections. Um, and that's why we're lucky to have Mark Anderson. We got yeah. I got all the faith in the world in that guy. Well, well, sadly, the voter participation rates are so oh, low. It's so low. It, it's, it really is horrible. My, you know, listen, we all need to exercise our right to vote. My father instilled that to me when I was very, very young, and I understand the importance of it. If you don't vote, um, you know, you better have a pretty good excuse. And I, like, I mean like tubes and hospital yeah. kind of excuse <laughs> because there's just no reason. It is too easy to vote. You have too much time, and it's too important not to. It's too important not to. And you're right. The participation is pitifully low. And, and, it's, and it's sad because you know, and all you people out there that, are, that don't vote, listen, listen to this very carefully. If you don't vote, they don't care about you. The politicians don't care about you because they, they only care about the people that show up to vote. That's right. That's the ones that count. That's the ones that matter. You do it through that vote. 
It's the only way to make a make your voice heard is through the vote and and support the candidates. Go out there and you know you don't have to knock on doors or give them money, but tell your friends and family who you support and why. Do your do your homework. Do some background on these folks. Look, you know, look. I encourage everybody. Look at my six, almost six years on the commission. Look what we've done. I'm proud of what my me and my five guy or four guys have done. We we got punched in the mouth. We and we came out swinging, and we've done a very good job with what we were handled. Um, look at our records. That's what I encourage people to do. I think uh, it shows your history. You know, I've never voted for a tax increase. Never would. Uh, those are things that we get accused of all the time. But that's not that's not Bay County. So we have about a minute and a half. So so what is your your pitch to the voters listening today, Commissioner? Oh, you know, I just really, you know, I would humbly ask for all their support. Uh, I've I've proudly served my community as a commissioner for almost six years. Uh, I love being a county commissioner. I love Bay County. I love to help the people here and and will continue to do so whether I'm a state representative or or not. Uh, This is my community. I'm going to do everything I can to make it better. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm established. I have roots here and will always have roots here. So I ask for their vote. I ask for their support. Do your homework. Look me up online at votegriff.com. And um, Griff Griffiths for state representative on Facebook. We need your support. It's really, uh, it's really too important to send somebody to Tallahassee to just be a placeholder or a disruptor. We've got to make sure that we get up there and keep the momentum going to make Bay County uh, even better than it is right now. And, and you're available to the to the constituents if they want to talk to him. Anytime. Right? His Eight. cell number is on his website. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't, is that his cell number? Yeah, I don't. And it's I, your cell number. It's my cell. I don't, I don't, my phone is always, if I don't answer, leave a message or send me a text and I will get back to you because my phone rings. It's ringing right now, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> it, my phone rings all the time. I'm always open. Listen, if even if we don't agree, um, I'm willing to sit down and talk with you. My, my dad always told me growing up is no is still an answer. You don't have to say yes to everything. And so uh, I, I love to sit down and talk problems. And the truth is, a lot of times there is a, you know, a soft spot or somewhere in the middle people kind of can, can agree on. Um, and whether it's a, you know, a drainage issue or a, a pothole or, or, or even more important issues about their taxes or whatever, I'm an open book. We'll, we'll love to sit down and talk to people. Well, it's been a pleasure having Always a pleasure. Commissioner Griff Griffiths in. And when we come back, we're going to have Attorney Greg Crossland and um, CD1 Chairman Tim Norris talking about the VAX and what they're doing. Stay tuned. WYOO Springfield. Serving Lynn Haven, Mexico Beach, and Northwest Florida. This is News Talk at 101, Panama City's information station. Com. Patriot Veronica loves God, guns, America, and talking to you. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Veronica Live. It's our third hour, and we have Attorney Greg Crossland and CD1 Chairman and State Committee Man Tim Norris from Walton County. They, they joined the show in October to talk about folks that were losing their jobs at the Sacred Heart Ascension Hospital. And I know that, um, Greg, you took on a bunch of bunch of cases pro bono to help these people. So today you're here to talk because you're still working this cause. And um, you all are working HB 687 bill in Florida. And you've got uh, Representative Drake standing behind you. And then Senator, is it Broxton? Is the other one so? So tell us about this HB six eighty seven bill and where what what's up with COVID and fighting for people's jobs. First of all, Veronica, thanks for having us back. We appreciate the opportunity to be here. 
the bills, uh, Representative Drake introduced the bill. It's actually a fantastic bill, but it's part of the COVID family of bills that's come about. He did this because doctors are being attacked, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it's happening in our state as well. The back, the back noise is that there are a couple of dark money channels on the Internet that are teaching people how to file false complaints against doctors or medical care providers who speak out against uh, the COVID protocols uh, about the CDC or the NIH. And what they've done is funded these social networking sites to teach people how to file complaints as an intimidation to doctors or nurses or PAs who are then at jeopardy of losing their license. So these people teach how to file a, a bill or how to file a complaint against the doctors that ties the doctors up, and then they don't want to participate in, in a more accurate medicine. And it's a real, it's a, it's a quietening effect, and it's been, it's been quite serious. Uh, Representative Gaynor, I'm sorry, Representative Drake, Senator Gaynor is supporting him as well, our local senator, and Senator Broxson, I think, joined mm-hmm. as the co-sponsor in the Senate, and it is now moving forward, but basically it is to fine and to shut down people who are filing false claims and give financial penalties against people who are filing false claims against doctors and nurses. So is, are, who are these people? Are they probably sponsored by Soros? You know, because I'm not sitting around sure. <laughs> filing a false claim. Yeah. It, when you when you drill down and do the research, right. you are finding there is some Soros-funded money. Okay. And there's also money coming from the DNC to other groups who are then in turn funding it. Uh, and it's not small. We're talking about millions of dollars being used in funding. Wow. Yeah, yeah they're using nonprofit organizations to uh, to fund these people. And so it makes it kind of difficult to track okay and so right now it's um i guess when the legislature opens isn't that march john they're already going they're already going okay um it's this could be take effect and and would impact all of florida then in a good way well we hope so i think it was january the 11th the senate sponsored sponsorship came out and then a few days later they um, sent it to committee so we have high hopes that it's going to be coming forward you know, we, we worked with a, a grassroots organization who um, in 24 hours had 400 signatures, not only of people endorsing the bill, but gave their contact information to uh, Representative Drake and Senator Broxson and Senator Gaynor said, not only do we support you in this, here's our contact information. How can we help? We're your boots on the ground. So the groundswell has been very strong to support this, and I think that's helping get through the, uh, the Senate. Are, are the doctors and nurses behind, behind us also? Absolutely. We have several doctors in our group that were ecstatic that we were taking up the cause because it's an intimidation factor. They can lose their license, their livelihood. You know, medical medical school can't be cheap. Residency can't be fun. And then all of a sudden (laughs) have somebody who you don't know coming into your area, telling people how to file a false complaint that then they got to hire somebody like me to defend. It's just it's just wrong. And so we've had a lot of positive response from the medical community. I was good because that was one of the things we asked Dr. Flynn a while ago. You know, it's like th- there are physicians in Bay County that you can go to, and they won't they won't give you any of these therapeutics if you have COVID, because they're just so afraid of, of the consequences. Well, my my phrase to the to the patient is find a new doctor, because there are <laughs> doctors who are yeah. progressive. You know, there there are so many studies that are pro ivermectin that it's no longer an issue. You know, the issue of being a, a, an animal drug is just not true. It's a Nobel Prize winning drug. It's across the counter in many countries. At first they said, well, there weren't enough clinical trials. Well, we know there's a state in India that had 290 million people and every man, woman, and child by the health minister in India, when they were rolling out portable crematoriums, they had people dying in the streets 
the health minister of that country or that state came out, 290 million people. That's just a little bit smaller than the United States. Every man, woman, and child got ivermectin, z and vitamin D, vitamin C, and one other. But there were five things they got. And in 30 days, they had no more issues. That's a 290 million person clinical trial. Many clinical trials have come out since then. The internet is full of peer-reviewed medical journals that are now confined and say, you know, this is, this is not a bad thing. The bigger question to ask is, why is a parasitic drug like ivermectin effective on a virus? What's in it, in that virus, that's layering a paralytical, a parasitical drug, attack it and be successful? That's the scarier question that no one's yet asking. And, and, and that's the thing. You know, there, there's all kinds of therapeutics out there for, for medicines that have existed for a long time that, that these are off-label, quote, off-label applications for COVID, but, but they're very effective. But they, for some reason, they don't want to talk about them because are they, are they just too cheap, you know, you know, 50 cents a dose versus how many hundreds of dollars a dose, you know, for, for monoclonal antibodies, for instance, or something, you know. It, it, it's, it's astonishing that anybody is dying from COVID these days when we have all these therapeutics available. That, that should be the first thing that, you know, get COVID. Slam them with but something. when I had COVID light, I called Tim because I remember you told me about the monoclonal and they shut down the fairground here in December. And I know that, that um, DeSantis has had to work really hard to get some of this monoclonal stuff. And so Tim told me where to call. And so I called, but I couldn't get in for like five days, you know. And, and then the fairgrounds, you guys still had it at Fort Walton. But again, it was like you're in line and you just, it just wasn't immediate and with these treatments you want it like in the beginning right yeah it's, if a, it's you need like it. I, I want to be able to walk into walmart and get plaxovoid if i've got covid you know i yeah. don't want to have to wait to go see a doctor next week you know when it's too late to, to to use it so so where are we now greg because before you had about you know you started helping i think about 30 doctors nurses that you were trying to help that had lost their job and i i know i tried to to get some national traction i was texting and I'm calling to Fox, you know, but I, I think they look at Florida and, and we're so ahead of the curve. They're like, why would we talk to anybody in Florida? But we've got Greg here running with this football. So, so tell me, do you have more people that you've been supporting and, and what's happening with these people that have lost their jobs? Sure. Well, uh, there's been a great deal of evolution since we last talked in the process. The most damaging part of that is the Supreme court of the United States made a decision that uh, Congress must be consulted when OSHA an entity approved by Congress is involved, but they don't have to be consulted when CMS, which is the Medicare system, is involved, which makes zero sense from a legal, logical perspective. But we've thrown logic out the door. Since the Supreme Court came out with their two decisions, uh, there's also been a third decision by a federal district court judge in Texas that said all the federal employees uh, cannot be mandated to have the shot. So now we have the only mandate that is sticking is health care workers which makes zero uh, which sense. Yeah. Uh, we have to ask the question, why? Why is healthcare being targeted? We already had a national shortage of doctors and nurses beforehand. We have a regional shortage of nurses. You have more and more doctors and nurses being pushed out of the practice. And now, this past week, it kind of went under the radar, but President Biden signed an executive order that says all essential employees that are coming in from out of the country, which is basically doctors from the Philippines, uh, Guam, China, uh, not China, Pakistan and India and other countries. Now, for them to come in, all of a sudden, they have to have fully vaccinated, have the booster shot, 
or they can't come in. Now, if you're an illegal immigrant and you want to cross yeah. the Rio Grande, yep. come on down. Well, I, I read that last <laughs> night because today truck do- drivers around our nation, which we also have a shortage of, have to be vaxxed. A truck driver that's in his little uh, Yeah, and that's going on in Canada also. I saw Canada's actually having a protest by the truck drivers over, over vaxxing because they're mandated. And it has to do with the U.S. coordinating with Canada over forcing all the truck drivers to get to get uh, uh, vaccinated in order to cross the border. To give you a numerical perspective, Trudeau, I'm pretty sure he and our president are closely related or speak a lot because Trudeau issued an executive order, if you will, their version of it, that suspended 30,000 truck drivers. I don't think he anticipated the reaction, but their truckers, their version of the truckers union, the rest of who had been vaccinated, joined with the 30,000 and going under strike. And on the 28th, they're going to strike and have a slowdown with their trucks and their rigs at the three primary entry points going into Canada. Now, the effect is not only Canadian drivers, but American drivers. American drivers now cannot go across the border unless they're fully vaccinated. And the Teamster said, no. People need to look up and see who our biggest trading partner is. We're, if you like maple syrup, better go buy it now because it's going to get hard to get. Now you, but, you think there's supply chain problems now. <laughs> I was going to say, if you go just into Publix now, shelves, there's parts, a lot of shelves that are empty. Yep. So this is um, insane. So what else, Greg, you know, you're helping these people. Did your phone ring off the hook after you came on? And Yes, ma'am. We, we received a little over 500 emails from contacts, people reaching out for help from doctors, nurses, uh, medical care providers, just people in the industry. Um, I'll give you an example of one. There's a small company in Pensacola that has a contract with Sacred Heart. They, they provide courier services. They're not in doctors. They're not nurses. They, they courier MRIs, CAT scans, tests, blood samples, tissue, et cetera. They have to be trained, and there's a lot of deal, deals to it. They have f- applied for their religious accommodations. The company, local company, approved them. But Sacred Heart said, no, we're not going to approve those. So now Sacred Heart is dictating that these people, they're not losing a job because they don't get a vaccine because they got their accommodation. So they're skirting the law and the legal implications of the law by saying, we're just not going to accept your company. Your company can fire you. That's not us. So the employer has to make a decision. Well, I'm not firing them because they don't have a vaccine. I'm firing them because I'm going to lose my contract. It's skirting the law. There are 50-some-odd employees of this company. So what do they do? And this, we're seeing this all around. It is an incredible nightmare the Supreme Court has, has done by putting this uh, at issue. Complicate that as we have a state law that says you can't lose your job because of not getting the shot, and you have to give the accommodations, which is very much what the EEOC says, or you have to give a medical exemption, and you have to provide for a mask or other things, and the hospitals just aren't doing it. now. So they're ignoring Governor DeSantis, pretty much. what he pretty implemented. Much. But they haven't come out with an official policy yet, so we're not sure exactly where they're going to go because I think they're not sure where they're going to go because you're going to get a lawsuit one way or the other. If you uh, don't abide by state law, you're going to have the Attorney General breathing down your neck, which you should. And if you don't buy the federal, abide by the federal mandates, then Social Security is not going to reimburse you. So, but yeah. aren't the hospitals, they're definitely help, hurting because I've had a doctor in here previously that said don't go to Ascension because they don't have enough staff. So, you know, and, and we're seeing some states, too, are, are implementing their guard, National Guard, to come and check people in and drive ambulances. And, I mean, it's just, this is getting ridiculous. You, you know, at, so, at some point, you you got you to gotta give up on, on, quote, pandemic and just go with endemic and live with this thing and, and get a, no, a normal 
and, and we don't seem to be able to want to get to a new normal. We just want to be able to be in this this continuous pandemic mode, you know, of, of follow the government dictates. And, and, you know, people people are getting, people are being damaged, real damage here. You know, people are getting fired. We have doctors and nurses, they, they, they publish something on social media and, and they get fired, you know, because they're, they, don't, they don't follow the, the VAX information from CDC. They, they're saying, here's what I'm seeing on the ground. This is what the reality is. But that's, that's false information now all of a sudden. Well, we've got about 45 seconds till our break, and we're here talking with attorney Greg Crossland. Um, his website is destinlegal.com. And, <coughs> excuse me, CD1 chairman and state committee man, Tim Norris from Walton County. We're going to talk to Tim because there's always politics always play a big role, but we'll be right back. Who cares what they say? Just live your life because we don't live twice. Feel free. At a time of our life, let's all get wild Hi, this is Dr. Favaloro at Forest Park Animal Hospital. Emergencies are never scheduled and never convenient. Make sure you have an established relationship with a local veterinarian and ask about how they handle after-hour emergencies with their patients. Attention Panama City and the beaches. Did you know that everyone has dirty laundry? To help, Total Laundry Services is proud to announce the opening of three new locations. Back Beach Road, one block east of 79 in Panama City Beach, and 5th Street and 11th Street in Panama City. We offer huge coin-operated washers and dryers, dry cleaning, comforter cleaning, and an amazing wash-dry fold service. We even have military and loyalty discounts. So take your weekends back and let us do the dirty work. Come check out our new facilities today. What makes a town a hometown? People that come together and support each other. Compassionate, loving, kind people. At Tyndall Federal Credit Union, we have the tools you need to build the life you've always wanted, right here at home. Tyndall is a big, big part of the community. I can't say enough about how nice it is to have that hometown local feel. Tyndall Federal Credit Union, dedicated to home. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you want to save money and be more comfortable in your home? Check a Pro Joe here. Tune into my show, the Check a Pro Radio Show, every week where I'll have money saving solutions for you. So tune into the Check a Pro Radio Show every Saturday at 12 noon, right here on News Talk 101. Not long ago, someone said, you should put a granny cantrails on every corner. Well, that may seem like a good idea to some, but as Granny Cantrell used to say, the road to a friend's house is never long. So, there's not a granny cantrails on every corner, and we're not shoving your food at you through a window. We think you'd rather sit down, relax, and have a big old home-cooked meal served up where your food isn't wrapped in paper and the steering wheel isn't in your way. See, Granny Cantrell is always believed in fresh, made-from-scratch, southern-style cooking and lots of it. In fact, you'll get all you can eat at Granny Cantrell's. Granny also used to say, hasty climbers have sudden falls. So take her advice. Slow down, gather up the crew, and come on in for some honest-to-goodness down-home feed-the-family cooking and all-you-can-eat every day. Granny Cantrell's in the Coronado Shopping Center on 23rd Street. We'll see you there. It's time to start your day with Patriot and Air Force veteran Veronica with a shot of conservatism. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Veronica Live, and we're here with attorney Greg Crossland from DestinLegal.com and CD1 chairman and state committee man Tim Norris. 
from Walton County. They've been on the show before, and we are talking about HB 687, the bill. And um, one of the things that we were talking off air is COVID fatigue. So, so Greg, tell me about COVID fatigue. Sure. It doesn't matter if you're uh, red or blue, conservative, liberal. Um, it doesn't matter if you're an employer or an employee, a doctor or a patient. Everyone is tired of COVID. It's, it's interruption in our lives. You know, I've, I firmly believe there's no such thing as a new normal. I don't think we're ever going to see what we saw in 2019. I think this is a constant moving target because they can. You know, one of the things you mentioned a while ago about the ivermectin being so expensive, it's not inexpensive anymore. It's now $5 a pill. So what was a, a $30 prescription is now $200. That's the new normal. This is all about money and power, especially the money part because the money gives them power. But we're seeing this, this fatigue. People just don't want to deal with it. You know, we announced the last week that now you can get five tests into your home. I don't want five four, tests. Four. Is it four? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want the tests because they're not telling you that on the swab at the end, they put a salve on it to protect the chemical, which is a carcinogenic and a known carcinogenic. Well, if you do it once in a blue moon, maybe not a big deal. Now, what happens if you do four a week or one a week for four weeks and your employer makes you do it at work? Now, what are you doing? So the COVID fatigue, and I call that because it affects everything we're doing, from work to home to whatever. So I think people are tired of it. But we cannot lose focus, and we have to stay vigilant to connect these dots because they are connectable. They are interrelated because everything that happens economically, it doesn't matter if it's our, our gas price, our carcinogenic, they were sticking up our nose. It doesn't matter if it's our pharmacy prices. It affects food. You mentioned the food supply chain. It affects the, uh, the inflation. All those come back to us, mom and dad at home. All those have an impact. And one of the things we're seeing now is, um, you know, the early doomsayers were saying they called the shot the, the clot shot because of the blood clotting. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, this is a, a planned agenda 21, 2021. We have to reduce the population. Well, at first when I was reading this, I said, boy, these really are some extreme people. They're not so extreme anymore. When you look at mainstream companies and what they're now reporting in terms of deaths in the United States, is absolutely abhorrent. We had a CEO out of One America, who was a major major Midwestern company, come out and say, look, we're seeing a 40% increase in deaths in the age of 18 to 49. Now, if you have a 10% increase, according to the insurance actuaries, which is, this all comes back to money, you have a 10% increase, that's considered a one in 200-year catastrophic loss. We have a 40% increase. That's one company. So you have to start asking why. What's going on with deaths? Is it just this one company? Well, I brought you some statistics, and, you know, they all say. Well, Greg, earlier we had Dr. Flynn in, and he was not pro-booster because of the the, um, clotting. You know, and we've we've seen all these stories of, you know, um, soccer players in Europe that are, they're the most physically fit ever. All they do is run. And several have died at, like, 28, 29. Well, if you saw the tennis match, the you know, the problems going on in Australia a few days ago, yep. mm-hmm. you saw a, a female tennis player, very healthy. Tennis players are great athletes, and all of a sudden, and she had been vaccinated to get into Australia. She gets in for the for the tournament, and she's running. All of a sudden, she grabs her chest and starts walking off the court, and then collapses. She has a heart issue. She never had a heart issue before, and it's because she they think it's because she just got the vaccine. But these these are part of the connecting the dots that we have to to watch out for. The um, a global life insurance or global life insurance company indicated in the first three quarters of 2021, deaths due to COVID were 5.5 billion. In the in the first 
nine months of 2021, that's huge. There was only for the whole year before that, 3.5. So what do you mean? I'm sorry, that? not deaths, money spent because of, of those COVID. deaths. Yes. Well, so that's like payouts, you mean? Payouts. Insurance? Payouts. Okay. So you've almost doubled in one year. Hanover Re, which is a major reinsurance company, said that every projection they've had has been exceeded. Dutch, there's a Dutch insurer, Aegonon, A-E-G-O-N-O-N. They claim that the claims in the, in the U.S., they sell you in the United States policies in the third quarter alone went from $31 million in 2020 to $111 million in 2021. That's almost a 3.5% increase or three times increase. That's for death claims. Where are all these people? You know, we keep asking where are our employees going? Are they going in the grave? Because all these deaths are happening. Now, in response to this, and by the way, um, my company, MetLife and Prudential, also indicate they've had claims increases for death claims, but they're not releasing their data. Uh, Epoch Times, has a, or Epoch Times, he pronounced it, mm-hmm. had a study this past week, and they're asking lots of good questions. We know that there's a, CDC has a breakdown. They're just not showing it. Mm-hmm. There's been five top states, an increase uh, not due to, or due to COVID, but in excess of COVID. Nevada, increase in deaths, 65%. Texas, 61%. Arizona, 57%. Tennessee, 57%. California, 55%. These are not just COVID-related because they're not booking that way. And by the way, in a death case for right now, if you die, in, even in our state, if you have COVID-related issues, everything is COVID. Even if it's a vaccine-related issue, is COVID. These exceed those numbers. Every state except one, New Hampshire, we don't know why, has a 0% increase. Every state in the country has an increase in deaths year over year. Florida is a public... And uh, you're saying these death certificates are somehow associated with COVID? N- not all of them are, mm-hmm. but there's been an increase since the, cl- since the shots became mandatory. Okay. We have seen, since the vaccines started, an increase in deaths all across the country. Florida's now launched an investigation, as have nine other states, just to find out why. So, so this is this is the kind of information that probably doesn't show up in that vaccine adverse reaction database. I, I'm guessing, because you know, if if people die from you know quote heart attack, but the heart attack was caused because they they went and got the booster, then that it doesn't get reported that way. Well, we're talking with Greg Crossland. He's from DestinyLegal.com. Everything about COVID, and he's gonna they're gonna stay with us because we still got to talk to Tim Norris. We're gonna talk Republican politics after the hard break in about 10 seconds. And uh, yeah, COVID, it's, it's, we definitely have COVID fatigue. So, and, and I'm the newest COVID light person <laughs> <laughs> to check the box. But, but you have natural immunity. I do now. I don't need that stinking booster. We'll be right back. Join Panhandle's favorite Air Force veteran, Veronica, as she fights for conservative values in America. Call Veronica live now at 233-9988. Welcome back to Veronica Live, and we are here with Greg Crossland from DustinLegal.com and CD District 1 Chairman and State Committeeman Tim Norris. We haven't even talked the politics yet. We're still talking the covid um, you were talking about death claims and Europe off air and um, the prime minister of the UK. Sure. Uh, you know, three things have happened that, again, we have to connect the dots. There's been no insurance claim denied in the United States that we can tell so far for a death claim due to COVID. However, they've started popping up in Europe and, and the life insurance companies are not paying out the claims. 
the one in France who was about a $65 million insurance policy. So this is a very elite person. And they said he knew at the time he took the, the shot that it was dangerous. He knew that it was potentially causing death because that's what it, the information says. So they said he voluntarily accepted a um, experimental use drug and therefore they're not paying the claim. That's a big deal because of all of a sudden these insurance companies are now paying out all these claims. They may only be looking for a way to deny it. That may be coming here. Not surprisingly, right after this started happening, uh, the uh, Prime Minister of Great Britain says, you know what, we have COVID fatigue, no more mandates for the shots, and they were heavy lockdown, no more lockdowns, no more masks. We're just going to go on with our life. Is that coincidental? Is it tied to the, you know, what is the largest insurance brokerage house in the world? Lloyd's of London? Mm -hmm. Are they they saying, you know what, we got to stop this? Don't know, but those are certainly questions we need to be asking because it's just too coincidental the timing's coming out. Well, but it definitely impacts people because we've seen Djokovic was in Australia, then he got booted out, <laughs> and then France, the president of France is like, you can't play the French Open here, you know, and then now Spain's saying he's not going to be able to play in Spain. So this is like a number one seated tennis player that that doesn't want to get the jab, and he's not going to be able right. to play, and, 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 he, and he can take the damn COVID test. He's taken them. He's already got natural immunity because he had COVID in December, so he's got natural that. immunity. That that but doesn't they refuse, count. and this is this is a part that just torques me to no end. This this is a, this should be a medical discussion, okay? The medical discussion is natural immunity is a real thing. You have COVID, well, and they're you've saying got that it. it's the and, best, but, but our, way but better our, than a jab. Right, but our government refuses to acknowledge that natural immunity exists for COVID. It it just Dr. Fauci will not say the words. Isn't that to follow the science? You right, know, Tim? That's science. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, and I'm talking Chairman like, Tim. you know, we learned this, this stuff in high school biology, you know, about viruses and how they adapt and mutate and that kind of stuff. It's not that hard, folks, to, to figure this out. So, and, and so, you know, I look forward to the day when, when COVID becomes a health issue and not a political issue, but we're still a ways away from that. Isn't your real question, why, why are you having a lawyer and a, poli- a political person here as opposed to a couple of doctors. Well, I represent one, Dr. Calvin Blunt, who wrote, you'll recall, wrote the open letter to Sacred Heart that was posted in various newspapers. He was actually featured in the New York Times in an article this past week because he's one of the few doctors who's willing to stand up and say, this is wrong. And he did so in the New York Times of all publications, certainly not a right-wing leading newspaper, yeah. interviewed him. And, he's, and they asked him point blank, you know, what's the problem? And he says, well, the problem is no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what to tell us, our patients. No one knows what to tell the doctors. You've got all these conflicting things. We need some guidance from the federal government. Instead, we're getting misleading information. And that makes patients very, very susceptible or skeptical of anything that happens. And they're ignoring the doctors that actually treat people. You know, we, yep. we were discussing that there's a lady doctor in, in Texas that was fired because she put some information on, on Twitter and the hospital deemed that to be false information along with Twitter, by the way. But yet she treats five, 500, I think it's 500 patients that actually had COVID. So she has real world experience and understands firsthand what it takes to, to get people back to, back to good health. Yet she's the one that's the bad guy and the one that has to be fired. The beauty of her case is now that's a hospital that gets its a 501c3 money. There's a public records relation law that they have to disclose. Her lawyer, who he's brilliant, he filed an immediate request for all monies related to COVID that the hospitals received from the federal government, from the vaccine manufacturers, from remdesivir, because we, we also know now that if the hospital gives uh, the remdesivir, they get a bonus. 
If they put you on a ventilator, they get a bonus. Under the CMS guidelines, if 100% of your staff at your hospital is vaccinated, you get an up of 25% on your bill. They're getting a bonus at our, your my expense because we're paying taxes. So they're giving these hospitals a bonus to make them be vaccinated. And their bonus is based on how many are vaccinated. Again, it all comes back to money. Well, and politics. So yeah, we and, want to and, talk to Tim Norris. And, and rule one of politics, if you want to know the truth about anything in politics, follow the money. Follow exactly. the money. There so, you go. So, Tim, do you not feel that this is just, it's politics? I think it's like laying the groundwork for 2022 and 2024. And, and if you're unvaxxed, you're wearing the scarlet letter. Well, you know, and, and I'm unvaxxed and I've had COVID and, um, you know, the ivermectin treatment worked, but I used to end them, uh, antibody, monoclonal antibodies. That's it why works I called you. Right. That's why you called me. Because <laughs> I was And worried. let me tell you, it was the best thing that could, I could have ever done. And, you know, there's those, those treatments that are there besides these, these vaccinations. But to, to your, your question, the governor, I think is a, uh, very wise man and how he's handling our i guess our issues with not just the vaccines but with all the stuff that the federal government's pushing down our throats and i think there's there's a governor that stands up for what his his state represents and and not just what the federal government or whatever these so-called scientists and doctors out there are pushing upon us like a dr fauci but these are the things that uh, we need in politics. We need these these uh, governors and these representatives and senators representing us and not the federal government. And uh, so, you know, I think for this coming year, uh, I was just meeting with some of the staff uh, of the governor yesterday, and, and, and they're very positive that he's going to be out and he's traveling around the state after session, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll have, the session finished and we won't have now, to when come does that back. End, do we think? Uh, end of end of first uh, of April. Okay. So, uh, uh, but you never know. Hopefully, everything gets accomplished. And uh, with with everything that's going on, by the way, as as we call it, the COVID fatigue. There's still some things out there that they're they're unsure of right now too. And Greg and I were talking about this on the way here, and they will have you know they've got some stuff still sitting back that you know. They don't know what to do with quite yet. So that may come back into to, to light after the session. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, Well, I feel like Florida sort of is a stepchild because Biden can't stand us. You know, didn't DeSantis just have to – he bought like a bunch of COVID tests, a million of them, you know, that he's, he's been giving out to senior homes and things that we have to like fight to get monoclonal and COVID tests because we're Florida and we have a – outspoken governor do you not feel that way tim i do i do and, and and a lot of us feel that way in this state it's like you know we're seeing it happen before our face you know but it's just it's right there and the governor steps up and you know he gets out there in the media and he, you know it's just he tells it like it is you know this is what they're doing you know we asked for the monoclonal we'd rather use the monoclonal we set up those the stations for the, the usage and our rates went down so fast and oh well, well, you can't have any more. We're going to have to cut your supply. So, so these are the, the the childish battles that we have to deal with, and that he has to deal with as our as our governor of Florida. And so, but we got him to stand up for us. 
So and, and, and I'm so thankful. You know, we, I'm I am just. You can't imagine how bad it would be if we had somebody like a, a Gretchen Whitmere or, <laughs> or, or Newsom or, yeah. or any of those governors. I mean, mm. it would be a horrible place to live, you, you know. And, and, and the fact that and it's not just COVID. The governor, Governor DeSantis, has the big picture on so many things, the immigration stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you know like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these people on a bus and we're sending them to Delaware <laughs> where Joe right. Biden, from, you know, let Joe Biden's people in Delaware deal with it, you know, because they, right. they seem to like it a lot, you know. Let's send them up, up to Nancy Pelosi's district in San Francisco and let, let them, you know, do stuff on her, on her doorstep, you know. <laughs> well, you know, and he has, uh, I guess you call it a task force, but they're out there looking at any of us that see any activity that we see suspicious that uh, people have been calling in. As a matter of fact, I think it was just locally here. Uh, some guy was driving, I think, seven or eight of them, mm-hmm. illegals, and he got caught. So he was you know, trafficking illegals. And so things are happening. He ain't messing around here in the state well, of Florida. Well, you got to wonder about a federal government that does stuff in the middle of the night, you know, like like these flights from, you know, in like into Jacksonville in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. No, no records no registration, nothing, no, no notification vac- to anybody. No right, and it's like, wait, wait, is this some kind of secret are? government operation? Well, it actually is a secret government operation. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to move these people around. Well, we are about to have another break. And um, our final break, we're talking with attorney Greg Crossland from DestinLegal.com, and he's been helping all kinds of people pro bono that have lost their job in, in, in the medical per- profession. And then we're talking to C.D., one chairman and state committee man, Tim Norris. So, you know, when we come back after the hard break, we'll continue the discussion. I mean, Florida's definitely leading the way, and Governor DeSantis is at the helm. So, Okay, okay Veronica, now I need, now I need to know, <laughs> I need a good answer. <laughs> what, are are what, we flying Mach 1 or Mach 2? Uh, we're flying Mach 1. Okay. How about that? We'll be right back. <laughs> What makes a town a hometown? At Tyndall Federal Credit Union, we have the tools you need to build the life you've always wanted right here at home. Tyndall Federal Credit Union, dedicated to home. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, folks. PJ Trammell here with The Garage Door Doctor, your locally owned and operated garage door company. When was the last time you had your garage door tuned up? Is it making excessive noise, not going up or down as it should? Most people don't realize that a garage door is a mechanical door with many moving parts. After years of use in the environment in which we live in, these parts can become fatigued. Don't get stuck in your garage. That's usually when we get a phone call. A garage door tune-up can help prevent costly repairs and headaches later down the road. With our tune-up, we do a thorough inspection of your garage door and opener. We also replace your old rollers with new nylon premium rollers. Don't hesitate. Call Garage Door Doctor today and schedule your tune-up. Mention this radio commercial and get your tune-up for only $125. That's over $100 off the regular price. Again, call Garage Door Doctor at 850-242-1555 or look us up on the web at garagedoordoctor.com. Again, this is PJ Trammell with Garage Door Doctor. Give us a call today, 850-242-1555 or garagedoordoctor.com. At Florida Health Connector, the authorized agency for Florida Blue, there is a certain time of the year to sign up for health insurance called the open enrollment period. But did you know there are other opportunities to sign up during the year? And you may even qualify for a $0 premium plan. Simply call anytime to see if this applies to you. Call Florida Health Connector today at 850-249-1010. That's 850-249-1010. Florida Health Connector. We connect you to the 
If you're an attorney who struggles with the balance of managing your practice and practicing law, consider Lexicon as your number one pick. From client intake to billing and all that comes in between, Lexicon doesn't miss a thing. Our comprehensive solution combines best-in-class software and services to take care of your firm's most critical challenges, automating many of the tasks that take time out of your day. It's all about giving you more of your billable hours back. And who doesn't love more revenue? No more searching for practice management that works. Lexicon marks the spot. Visit lexiconservices.com to learn what Lexicon can do for you. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Veronica Live on News Talk 101. We want to know which one we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of fun off air. We are back with um, the bottom of the hour here, third hour with attorney Greg Crossland from DustinLegal.com and CD1 chairman Tim Norris and state committee man from Walton County. And I guess, you know, we just keep talking about COVID because it's just so out of control. And I cannot, I can't even watch Fauci on TV. He was on yesterday on CNN. And I just think it's all baloney. And the C- CDC can't even get their story straight on mask, don't mask. You know, they're all over the place. Shot, booster. Now they want children. So, you know, is it not always political, Tim? It seems to be that way. Isn't it going to get worse with 2022? We, well, we hear it every day. I mean, it's just, it's going to it's gonna be worse. Well, Greg and I were talking about it on the way over. Um, you know, we got Omicron now. Now, how many variate, variants have we heard of? Alpha, Delta, you know, we got Omicron. How many more are we going to have? What's the next name? You know, so, yeah, I think we are. I think I think that's just what they're try, trying to prepare us for is a continuation. As, as Greg mentioned earlier, it's that disruption, or since 2019, that's, that's the last you're going to see kind of a normality for a while until we figure out what's going on here. But I think people are lazy, though, with this COVID because they're happy to – pretend like they're working at home and they're really not working at home and then it impacts all of us and you can't get food service and shelves are empty so it's it's a huge yeah could you could you imagine what our economy would be like if if we would get back to normal and didn't have all the drag of all this politics and we could just excel you know as americans tend to do right (laughs) and how far how much further ahead we would be if we didn't have all this stuff dragging on us but for whatever reason, they, they've decided to politicize health, which, mm. which I, I'm shocked. I, I, you know, two years ago, you couldn't have told me, you know, pre-COVID, I, I would not have been convinced that you could politicize health to right. the degree it's been. But, you know, COVID, you know, here, here you have like, like the, the, the deal on, on boosters and, and giving the shots to, to, to 5 to 18-year-olds. You know, the, the CDC has, has an advisory committee. An advisory committee recommended against doing it, but yeah. the, mm-hmm. but the government gnomes, you know, the bureaucrats. These are this is a committee of doctors, you know, and researchers and and biologists, people that are experts in the field, and they ignored them and said, "Nope, we're going to do it anyway for political reasons." So so it's a political issue, not a health issue. Well, you know, they they gave the numbers, the percentages, very in the very beginning. The younger generation was nine nine ninety nine point nine nine eight percent of it having any death effect to them. Well, my my eleven year old nieces had COVID um, the last 
10 days and unvaxxed, of course. And it definitely was a little bit like I had a hard time for two days. I'd say she probably had a hard time for four days, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. Yes. So. Well, I, you know, I equate it to a really bad case of the flu. You know, I've had I've had a bad case of the flu, but <laughs> several of them in my lifetime. And and, uh, and some of them you were like, wow, this is really, Shoot really bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but it, you know, you just back to you got you got to learn to live with it. But, you know, in some respects, from a political standpoint, I, I think it goes back to Rahm, Rahm Emanuel's statement. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And when you look at how many trillions of dollars they've spent over COVID and how much of it actually, you know, like, like $1.9 trillion in COVID mm-hmm. money, how much of it actually went to COVID itself? Very little of it, you know, like 5% of it. Right. So 95% of that money is going to other things. China to make those masks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Operation Snail Face. They forgot, yeah. to, they forgot to put the well, contracts out I'm, for I'm that, I'm curious to they? see how long it's going to take to get my four free tests. And yeah. if you have five or six people in your house, well, I'm sorry. Two of them didn't get a free COVID test. <laughs> well, Joe, Joe Biden said, you know, there's a press conference. Here, they we're only a month behind, you know. <laughs> well, didn't they say that uh, we're send, they're sending out 400 million masks to all these residences. Yeah. And then, then they say that the mask really doesn't help. So why are you wasting our money on that? That's, because it's good political theater, right? Yeah. Well, you know, everybody, virtue, you, know, you wear the mask is, is virtue signaling to me anymore. If you're wearing a mask, particularly a cloth mask, it does absolutely nothing. It Zero, okay? Cloth masks do nothing to protect you or stop you from giving COVID to anybody. So, so where do we go from here, gentlemen? I mean, you've got people that are out of work that, you know, they've got, they paid all this money for their education. We need good doctors and nurses. And where do we go from here? Well, on the political side, I say make sure you elect the right people to represent us. And uh, that's a good start. Because right now, there's a lot of Looney Tunes out there running our country. And uh, we've got to make that change this year. So... The thing is to get out the vote, make sure you vote for a Republican conservative, and they will definitely make sure that we're on the right track once again. Right, you know, and, and, and you, just need, you just need to push back, you know. It's like, I believe, you know, Donald Trump showed us how to push back. But probably, and, and we have so many people that have not learned that lesson. Not on the flight from London to Miami <laughs> when you've been drinking. Don't push back there. Do it well, when you're in the voter booth. Yeah, That's where yeah. you need to yeah. push back. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm I'm hoping that you know it's not it's not just voting though. It's it's the CEOs of these these com- people that run these companies. These people that run these medical systems. They're the ones that need to get some backbone and push back on this stuff. Uh, it's all about the money, as you pointed out. You know because that's. If, if they do this, they get more money from the government. And, and that's how the government use, perverts the medical system. You know, decisions get perverted because it's a money interest, not a yeah, health they interest. they want us to get the fourth booster shot. Sure they do. Right. Sure they do. And then to Greg's point he made early, uh, uh, on the way here, too, uh, he gave those stats on these insurance companies. Well, you know, New Hampshire, he said, it had zero increase. Well, guess where Pfizer's headquarters is located? <laughs> give you three guesses and first three don't count new hampshire <laughs> isn't that amazing and and to the political side of it uh what's this what's the slogan that's kind of going out now it's uh make uh make america florida yeah that's that's the way and so <laughs> that's the representation we need and uh and and i think we'll do well Greg, and, and there's a reason that 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 
Governor DeSantis is leading behind Donald Trump yes. <laughs> for yes. 2024. That, that's not a that's not a, a coincidence. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts from you, Greg? As sure. You wrap up? You, you asked what's our next step, uh, and Tim hit on it on elections. All politics is local. Is an old adage. It's got to be local. You've got to look at your local races because that's where they start. George Soros did this and put state attorneys and district attorneys around the country in positions of power locally, and look what it's, it's cost us. What we have to do locally, we have to remember, we cannot become a system, a society, or a, a government where it's one versus the other. We've, we're turning into that. You mentioned we've politicized the health care. I think we've weaponized it. But we cannot become us versus them. It cannot be vax versus unvax or one side or the other issue. Instead, we've got to come back and say it's us versus whoever's causing these, this pain to us. And I think that has to come to your local elections. I think that has to start, and you have to analyze your candidates. Don't just rubber stamp. Get involved. Second part of it is we have to do is we have to, you mentioned the word wake up. we got to quit listening to talking heads and actually take some responsibility for ourselves and for our children. Go to any grocery store this week and see if there's not empty shelves. The next weaponization is food. When you have me back in three months, we're going to talk about this, and we'll, we'll say, you know what, this is what we missed. We as a nation have to get rid of leeching off everybody else. We have to quit living off everybody else. We have to take business in our own hands. That's going to be our health care system. It's going to be our food processing system. We don't have time to go into those numbers, but those are scary hard. We have to look at next-door neighbors. Who are we going to take care of? Florida's done a great job. You know, somebody asked me the other day, would I vote for Trump or DeSantis? And I said, Trump, absolutely. He said, why? Because I don't lose my governor. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, there, there that's are powerful people in this country. He may be the most powerful man in this country right now because They're he's not. saying that, that he, he's a shadow president. DeSantis. He is not waffling. We have no. power in this state. We have control in this state. We have a governor who was built for times such as this. And I don't want to give him up right yet. No. And, and great leaders rise to the occasion. That yes, has been, that is history. Yes, sir. That is history. So the question is, will mom and dad in their homes become those leaders? Will we actually quit listening to the talking heads, get off the TV, get off the newspaper, or get off the three big channels who tell us what to think and actually get into it and say, you know what? We're just, what was that uh, movie, a network in the 70s? I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. We need that <laughs> attitude. Yeah. Love well, you it. know, life life is wonderful. Don't be afraid. Get out there and live. You know, and and don't let these people dictate how you should live. Live your own life the way you want it. You know, that's what America is about. And now that I've had COVID, I don't want a booster. <laughs> so don't force it. Well, we want to thank, um, you know, Chairman Tim Norris from Walton County and CD District One, and Greg Greg Crossland from DustinLegal.com for coming in here because it was October when you came in here last and you're still running with that torch for, you know, the, the folks that are in the crosshairs of this. And, and keep think fighting. that our medical folks keep are fighting. in the crosshairs. I can't believe it. But we only have like two minutes left, John. Thanks for being my statesman, John. He's filled in. And next week um, we've got um, Don Arias. His is going to pop in. He's going to be the host next week because once in a while he is going to make an appearance because we miss our favorite New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a see, tremendous see show. The masking and, and back passport. News well, he calls on. them face diapers. So <laughs> he doesn't ever want to wear one either. And um, next week we've got, we're working on having some folks in here talking about human trafficking because really human trafficking is all over Florida. It's all over the United States. And um, there are some ladies that actually have a ministry. They were formerly trafficked and they help women that are being trafficked, and I guess they go to the strip joints, and they start there trying to help women. Yep. And um, apparently, Bay County is going to be um, 
trying to get into the Guinness Book of World Records with the most people in Aaron Besson Park dunking cookies. So I hope they bring me cookies to put <laughs> So we're working that we've got a tremendous show next week and it's been it's been fun today. We've had Dr. Flynn talking about COVID. Of course my favorite, um, you know, my friend and American Patriot, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. You, you always the, love the, having we, him in here. We always have the, the best guest on this show. I mean, just absolutely <laughs> the yeah, best, best keeps guest. us busy during the week. And then I did I did want to end, um, you know, I'm expecting, I'm expecting. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be the proud mother of a mini golden doodle. So a, a what? <laughs> a mini, not a baby, a mini golden doodle. So if you have a name, go to Facebook um, or Instagram, Veronica Live, and let me know because the baby's, the baby's coming. Uh-oh. But thanks for joining us. Have a great week, everyone. Veronica Live on News Talk 101. You have arrived at your final destination.